Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Food House, discussing the 2007 supernatural horror film, The Mist. This film was written and directed by Frank Darabont based on the novella by Stephen King. With his own different ending in mind, Darabont refused to change it to King's original ending, even when offered more money. The result gives us an adaptation that is at once faithful to its source material and unique in its bleak themes. Melding realistic horror with supernatural creatures, The Mist makes us question what is truly scary. So, what did you guys think about The Mist the first time you saw it? I don't remember exactly the first time I seen this movie, mm-hmm. but I remember when I first seen it, I I loved it right away. I was like, this is great. You yeah. know what I mean? Plus, it's got the Punisher in it. So I was like, <laughs> <It does>. shit. <laughs> like, Man, that's already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I have seen this movie quite a few times, and I did enjoy watching it for the show. I don't know what it is, but it is one of those movies that I enjoy no matter what's going on. You know what I mean? If it's on and I'm just passing by and catching glimpses of it on the TV or if I'm sitting down and watching it or if we're just kind of having dinner and whatever, it's I can still sit there and I like it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because I'm of the same mind and you wouldn't think that of a movie that's this bleak. Yeah. No, They're yeah. like, you want to watch The Mist? Oh, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember... My first, I guess, introduction to The Mist was when we were on a family road trip and we listened to the radio drama. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that's very riveting on the road because of <laughs> certain things that happen in the movie. But I remember kind of falling in love with the story. And then I didn't really know anything about... At this time, I was like 16. It's 2007. Right. So I'm not like, oh, Frank Darabont is Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in retrospect, it's so like awesome that Darabont did this film, especially when you consider The Green Mile and The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. They're more grounded in I reality. Guess, yeah. yeah. So it's nice to see him take on something that's a bit more supernatural and ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I thought I think he did a great job. I've always loved this movie. Yeah. But I do feel bad about the majority of the movie that is not the ending because it always gets overshadowed when people talk about it. It does. It does. <laughs> but the ending wouldn't be that impactful if everything leading up to it didn't, you know, suck you in yeah. so much. That's fair. So I guess that still speaks to it, even though it doesn't. It, you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> nobody really talks about that part. No, are like, remember that scene where right. they're just like the ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw this either. Again, like you said, I had to be a teenager as well, but I loved it since the first time I saw it. I still love it. Like you said, John Paul, I'll watch it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Ari, uh, our nine-year-old, was like, are y'all ever going to do an episode on The Mist? Like, yeah. (laughs) Get off my back. (laughs) But no, it's great. I feel like anybody, whether you like it or you don't, it's going to impact you that Mm -hmm. like, the ending, yeah. again, um, it's a lot. <laughs> to say the least. It's a lot. Um, I, I feel like we had to have seen it in the theater because there's no way that... I feel like we did. But I honestly can't remember. I mean, I can't remember past 2020 at this point. <laughs> but, what year is it? Yeah, I don't even know. But like I had said at the top, there's a whole new ending to this yes. film. So even if you were familiar with the novella, which is great on its own, this takes a hard left. And we'll (laughs) obviously talk about that when we get to it. 
I did reread portions of the novel, but I'm sure you'll take the reins on the differences. And I, I did reread it for, <laughs> for just such an occasion. I My thing about, I want to bring up Frank Darabont again, because as you mentioned in your intro, dude was offered the chance to make this movie. I think it was for $40 million. Yeah. But, Damn. Yeah. And they were like, but you got to change the ending. Yeah. And he's like, no. He's like, I'm not doing that. And yeah. so he went, like, ugh, 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 he went to the Weinsteins. But uh. I know, dude, when the credits rolled when I was working on this one, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I was like, yeah. God damn it. Can I enjoy anything? <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but when he went to those sacks of shit, yeah. he uh, got it made for 18. And so way less, less than half. Right. But he got to maintain his artistic vision. Which you have to respect that. Right. He wasn't mm-hmm. going to sell out to make more than double yeah i mean how can you i mean thanks frank yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> frankie d frankie d the other thing that i read was that he had wanted to make this his debut feature back in the 90s what yeah i don't know what happened but i guess it it was always on his mind and so he makes shawshank which is classic. incredible yeah and then he's like okay now i'm gonna make the mist and then he's like okay well i guess i'll make the green mile <laughs> another classic another classic and then from the strength of those two movies stephen king is like look when you want to make the mist you've got it it's yours yeah well, and so here we are yeah <laughs> so i guess that because at see i didn't know that mm-hmm. so okay i get you know the there's a lot goes into the movie process and all that but if he already did those other two movies why why wasn't he allowed to just make the movie he wanted? You know I, what I mean? Why would he instead of having to go somewhere else? Well, it's I think it's a matter, well it's a couple of things. I'd say first, really probably the most important thing cuz you already got the blessing of the author. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be financing. It's people in big studios that are like, "Look, we want to work with you. We'll make this movie, but that ending isn't uh Warner Brothers ready or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, fuck that. Man. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, you I love that he stuck to his guns oh, yeah. because wow. Oh yeah. It's bold. Yes. Now, before we turn our congregation against this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's go to the store. So first of all, we get thunder rumbling over the logo, which we love. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the sounds of the storm continue along with jazz music as we see David Drayton, played by Thomas Jane, painting in his office. Shout out to Thomas Jane. Yeah. Because, man. That dude, I don't think he gets his due, but I think he's just yeah, great. I love that guy. Yeah. I was thinking about 1922. Yes. Dude can turn in this film. Dude turns in performances. He really does. But he does not get that credit. Nope. But anyway, he's working on a painting of the gunslinger from the Dark Tower series. Very prominently behind the piece he's working on, we see the painting of the cover of mm-hmm. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. I, first of all, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought it was so awesome. I did get a little background on this because I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> I mean, thank you. <laughs> why? I'm looking at gift horse in the mouth, yeah. but <laughs> apparently Frank Darabont is really good friends with the poster artist Drew Struzan. And I guess he had him design a poster for The Mist. It didn't get chosen, mm-hmm. but he kind of wanted to do a little shout out to him. So all these paintings are done by right. Drew Struzan. That's oh, so cool. Nice. And he did the original poster for The Thing. Like he's a prolific poster designer. Damn. That's insane. But I thought, and I, because at first I was like, well, maybe there's some kind of thematic overlap. And there kind of is. There, a is, yeah. there is a little bit. But, but it's really just a shout out to a yeah. friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Also, the other paintings nod to Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Um, the Low Men from the Dark Tower series right. and it. Yeah. He did the poster for Pan's Labyrinth. That's so cool. And another fucking little sidebar situation. But through Guillermo del Toro, Frank Darabont found the special effects house for this movie. So it's uh, another little <laughs> nod. Nice. That's crazy. So before you go on, okay. like I told you, I told you guys earlier before the show. Uh huh. So because of this, it was mainly Roland, but <laughs> uh, everything else I've seen, I'm going to start with a 10 for this movie. <laughs> Just because you saw and Roland? Then, well, because I, then... I love the Dark Tower. <laughs> In your in but, your defense, that poster is a better adaptation than the film we no. got. Yeah, the Dark well, Tower. <laughs> we won't talk about that because <laughs> uh, all those posters were magnificent. Yes, that shit was, and I already loved the movie. Mm-hmm. So gonna, that's interesting. You're just gonna subtract what you don't right. like. Okay, that's an interesting take. So when we get to it, I'll give my reasoning and whatever. And all then right, at the Simon Cal. Well. Yeah, let's see. I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> But also, I know we were talking about the paintings a lot. I appreciated that he's adding highlight onto the rose. Yeah. In every other film, they are rubbing a dry paintbrush on the <laughs> yeah. canvas, and it is super annoying. Yeah. So I appreciated that. But suddenly the lights go out, and we cut to David standing with his wife, Steph, played by Kelly Collins Lentz, and his son, Billy, played by Nathan Gamble, and they're standing at a big window watching the storm. Over Billy's head and between his parents, we get a really subtle title that says The Mist. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Armed with blankets and pillows, they go down into the basement, but back upstairs in David's office, his work still sits on the easel and part of a tree comes crashing through the window, knocking it and the other paintings <laughs> yeah. down. Fucking poltergeist yeah. style. <laughs> and it fades to black. The next morning, Billy runs out into the yard, followed by David, who's holding his ruined, waterlogged painting. Steph points out that their food is going to spoil, and David says he'll go to the store to get groceries. He tells her there's no way he can save the painting, and he's going to have to ask for an extension before he just throws it <laughs> at the downed tree. Yeah. I'd be like, you don't want to keep it? No. Like, <laughs> as, a re- as a reference or no. anything? <laughs> We're starting from scratch. <laughs> But we see the guilty tree completely uprooted and knocked down. David plans to go to the hardware store to close up the window. And Steph realizes that the tree was one that his grandfather planted. Mm -hmm. David confirms this, but he says it's just stuff. As long as they're safe, that's all that matters. Billy comes running toward them and tells them they have to see the boathouse. It's been smashed. They follow him. And this is 100% true. They do not have a boathouse anymore. (laughs) It's gone. I learned from the commentary that the roof of the boathouse was CG. Uh, the hell yeah like they do a lot of i didn't even notice no no i I didn't at all that's the thing for me is that when you integrate it properly yeah it's seamless yeah but there are some moments in this film i will say that did not that are very 2007 (laughs) (laughs) but boathouse flattened by a tree Steph and David immediately identify it as one that they've been asking their neighbor to cut down because it's been dead for three years as they look at the boathouse, Steph notices a huge, I don't know, like wall of mist mm-hmm. yeah. coming over the lake. And <laughs> David tries to explain it away. There's been mist on the lake before, but Steph points out not coming off the mountains. David's like, maybe it's two fronts meeting after the storm. And Steph's like, are you sure? And he's like, I'm not a weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, shit, I'm trying to make yeah. you feel better. No, Can't, <laughs> Don't second guess 
<laughs> that like, made me laugh. Good lord. He's like, look, I, I don't know. Well, and the way it's coming, fuck, I would have been like, uh, I don't what know. What is yeah, that? I don't know. So dude. we're moving, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I mean, as I was looking at it, I was like, man, I wonder if Captain Blake and his men are going to come back <laughs> for their gold. But I love that shot, first of all. Oh, yeah. I have to get that out of the way. I did think it was very funny. I heard in the commentary that as he was sitting next to Stephen King, when Stephen King was watching it, mm-hmm. he asked Frank Darabont, he's like, so where'd you film this in New England? And he's like, we filmed this in Louisiana. And then he was like, what the you fuck? You fooled <laughs> Mr. Maine himself. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it looks like it. It I, does. I don't know how you make a region look like another yeah. region, but they did that shit. But he did it. Frankie D. <laughs> But he he tells Steph to get Billy ready and he'll take him to the store with him. But first, he's going to go talk to their neighbor. Steph tells David that all their neighbor's going to say is sue me and that maybe they should. David says he's not going to punch him in the nose or anything. He's had his fill of property disputes with him after the first time. He's just going to get his insurance information. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, we're like, there's bad blood yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Got the history built in. Right, yeah. Damn, his tree just smashed oh, yeah. my boathouse. I'd be super pissed. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that thing like crushed my boathouse. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't even be like, oh, it was a storm. Well, shit no. happens. We've been telling, telling you for you, years. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd be mad. Could you imagine having that shitty of a relationship with your neighbor? Yeah, that would suck. That would really suck. Yeah. The relationship I have with my neighbor is to never speak to them. <laughs> 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 and I, I like to keep it that way. So this just is a horror story of itself. Yeah. <laughs> But David walks next door to find his neighbor, Brent Norton, played by Andre Brower, cussing at his chainsaw for not starting. And Andre Brower is great in everything mm-hmm. that I've seen him in. I've loved him since Primal Fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was <laughs> young right. as fuck in that. Yeah, I forgot he was even yeah, in that. Yeah. I did read that he got the part because his agent called Frank Darabont. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, Andre Brower read the script and he's very interested and so we got the part that was it (laughs) (laughs) that's how much people love this dude that's smart I will say though the scratching of his head as he's looking at the chainsaw (laughs) is very theatrical (laughs) like we I think the people in the back of the house see that you're very confused (laughs) he doesn't understand no but he finally notices David and is like completely unaffected when David brings up the boathouse, which mm-hmm. would I would be seeing red. Oh, yeah. He's like, you're the tree fell or whatever. And he's like, OK. Yeah. Whew. You'd wake up with like, just yeah. <laughs> bloody. <laughs> Why am I being arrested? <laughs> but David just coolly asks that they trade insurance information. And Norton laughs, musing that his insurance guy is just going to love him today. David follows Norton's gaze and sees that Norton's classic car has been crushed by another fallen tree. He offers sincere condolences and Norton agrees to go find his insurance guy's number and bring it by. Things are tough all over, Cupcake. (laughs) (laughs) I I really respect David in this moment. He's like, oh, Yeah, he's like, man, that car was cherry. He could have been like, oh, shit. (laughs) That's what you get. He handled it so well. And I was like, man, you know, this is kind of, yeah, it's the building blocks of showing how good of a dude David is. Without him saying, I'm a good man. (laughs) (laughs) But David thanks him and turns to leave his property. But Norton calls after him asking if he has any plans to go into town today. And I'd be like, well, Mm. I I guess it's me and you today. We're stuck with each other. But... Right, sure, buddy. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> but we get a close-up of David's mailbox that reads the Drayton's as he, Norton, and Billy head off for town. They pass several power trunk companies, and they propose that maybe they'll be able to get the power back on. Norton finds that the local radio stations are out, but they are getting a signal from Portland. I will say, dude is making himself comfortable fucking <laughs> yeah. with the radio. 
I'm like, don't fuck with my levels now. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? So, yeah. He really was. You were literally enemies last night. Yeah. Right? This morning, really. <laughs> but Billy draws their attention to several military vehicles zooming past them, and Norton identifies them as the military guys from up on the mountain. They're in charge of something called the Arrowhead Project. Already don't like it. No. <laughs> He asks David, as a local, what do they do up there? And David says they do missile defense research, but Norton cites a woman at the laundromat who says they have a crashed flying saucer with frozen alien bodies up there. <laughs> and David knows who he's talking about, and they kind of laugh as more military vehicles zoom right. past them. So seeing this large of a military presence makes me very nervous. Oh, yes. yeah. Um, I do appreciate the two of them having a moment together yeah. of levity. It's just nice to see them sharing a laugh, but also knowing what's to come is a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they pull up to the store and David notices that he still has no service on his phone. He says he's going to the payphone to call Steph, but Billy asks if he can go inside with Norton. David agrees as long as he'll hold Norton's hand. Norton's fine with this. And David gives them the grocery list. They head over to the store and David goes over to the payphone. Now, <laughs> we just, like you said, we just hated each We're other. We're new cool. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to let you take off with my kid. No, you're well, going even, to the payphone with me. No. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the book, like he still obviously doesn't like Norton. Like they're kind of on thin right. ice, like new thin ice. Let's be cool with each other right. right now. But him holding Billy's hand makes David like maybe he is a good guy. Right. In the book. <sighs> And instead of in the movie, they're like, you hold his hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. different. Because <laughs> like, damn. Like, Billy just does it because he's been taught you don't right. just go across the street mm -hmm. and Norton lets it happen. And so David's like, okay. Maybe he's not such an but, asshole. But yeah, it yeah. wasn't him telling no. this man to hold his child. Whatever. That moment is a little, it robs the character out of it. <laughs> but... This is one of the most faithful adaptations, aside it, from the ending, that I've ever it, seen. I mean, there are literal lines. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, he, he did an excellent job. But back at the payphones, they don't work yeah. either. So mm. David goes into the grocery store called the Food House. Yeah, I was a little... <laughs> <laughs> They're so creative here in Maine. <laughs> but David greets a cashier, Sally, played by Alexa Davalos, and says that they're really busy. Sally agrees. Half the staff didn't show up and the power's out. The generator's only good for keeping the food cold. So, like, they're doing everything by hand, right. basically. No good. No. I do want to say very quickly, I heard in the commentary, Alexa Davalos, her mother went to high school with Frank Darabont. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so he said that she's he's known her since she was 18 months old. Wow. Damn. So it's got to be pretty crazy to cast her in a movie. Yeah. But pretty cool. But David asks if she's available to babysit so he and Steph can have a date night later in the week and she's down. So we can kind of see, we've already learned that David's a local. Right. Like everybody knows everybody mm -hmm. basically. That small town feel. Yeah. Right. But he goes over to the assistant manager, Ollie Weeks, played by Toby Jones, who tells him that everyone's stocking up and they've been slammed since they opened and no one's in a very good mood. As if to prove this point, he greets Mrs. Carmody, played by Marsha Gay Harden, as she enters the store. He's like, good morning. And she's like, well, with lines like these, I don't know how good it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I just said cool. good morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, awesome. It's like when someone asks you how you are, you're supposed to say, I'm good. You're yeah. not supposed to be like, well, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. But Ollie and David kind of share a look. He goes over to find Billy and Norton, who can't decipher Steph's writing on the list. 
And David lets him off the hook and tells him to go get his own supplies and they'll meet at the checkout line. Norton is like, bet. He grabs his little basket and starts to leave, but stops to sincerely thank David for helping him out today. I thought that was very nice. Yeah. He was, man, back like again with his fucking radio message. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's getting too comfortable. He's like, man, your wife's handwriting looks like shit. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you better play it cool. <laughs> You still need a ride back home. <laughs> we are new cool. Yes. Uh, I get it was a, a joke, but yeah. it was like, come on. Like, dude, yeah. Well, David's just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> but as they shot, Billy asks if David and Norton are friends now. And David says friends might be stretching it a little, but they're not mad at each other anymore. And that's a start. They get in line as Private Jessup, played by Sam Witwer, enters the store with two other uniformed men. Now... I'm sure this man is very nice. Right. Are you about to be mean? I'm not. He <laughs> he looks like a vampire. He looks, yes. He, I was uh, like, here's I our was, villain. <laughs> like, uh, immediately. I was thinking more like a mannequin head or something. Like he like <laughs> like he's just you said like I was really, yeah. I was <laughs> I was watching for you and then I just got flanked from the other side <laughs> by JP. No, I mean not like he's like I don't know. You he's mean like, he's chiseled? Chiseled, yeah. Okay. He, is, like, he is chiseled. So maybe it is like, a compliment. What the hell? It, yeah, no. It's, it's like, an odd it's delivery like, oh. of a compliment. Yes. <laughs> I I feel like I will say one thing about Sam Witwer is everything he pops up in, he's pretty captivating as a character mm. actor, right? Because I remember him on Dexter. I don't know if you recall. No. He pops up on Dexter as a suspect for a thing yeah, and he did it no no <laughs> that's what they thought but he's like fucking brilliant in this like little short role he just looks like a villain i don't know well he was pretty but- bad on that <laughs> <laughs> but he tells his two friends to get what they need and he'll get them a spot in line but while he's talking to them him and sally kind of share a smile as he walks by he tells mrs repler played by francis sternhagen good morning and i love this old lady mm-hmm. like fantastic she's she's so great but billy tells her good morning and she greets him by name again this small town yeah. feel first and last yeah, yeah. <laughs> billy drayton but she asks david how they fared in the storm and he tells her about the tree going through the window and billy is happy to loudly fill her in on the fact that yeah. mr norton's tree smashed their boathouse <laughs> i'm like <laughs> billy shut Dude, up this is real kid shit like this, oh yeah oh my god oh yeah because fucking read the room <laughs> billy norton's right there and He's you right get a shot to- of him yeah <laughs> it's like oh yeah david sheepishly looks over like kids am yeah. i right and but norton is staring over at the glass windows at the front of the store as a military police vehicle pulls up I do want to point out they discussed how they filmed all these interior exterior situations and it's very interesting to me so I just want to get it front loaded <laughs> so we never have to talk about it again but it's very interesting because as you see them going into the store before uh-huh. like with the pharmacy right yeah they filmed that practically in a real grocery store parking lot and that's a real store that they found in Louisiana and Frank Darabont loved it so much that he had the interior replicated. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Nice. And so it's it looks exactly like that on the inside at the real store. But... That's crazy. Very. The like insane thing is if you get a shot shooting into the parking lot, mm-hmm. it was probably from the day when they were on location. But if you get a shot inside the store looking towards the windows, it's a set. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. No. And it's a painting of a parking lot. What? Yeah, it well, yeah. it kind of. I, I never look at it. It's like, mm. 
<laughs> I never saw it. I never saw it until Frank told me. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie D. Yeah. But as Mrs. Repler, with the help of Hattie, played by Susan Watkins, drops some science about school funding, David watches the MP, played by Eamon Joseph, walk inside, scan the store, and then head toward the back. That old lady was spitting. She uh... was going <laughs> off. As Mrs. Repler continues to talk, Amanda Dumfrey, played by Lori Holden, smiles at David and he smiles back. Now, we've already heaped a bunch of praise on Lori Holden mm-hmm. when the horror queers had us over oh, yeah. yes. on their show for Silent Hill, but she's great. She's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just have to say it again. I was, I literally wrote down, it's an in-joke from whenever we were on there. I was like, it's Officer Sexy from... It's Officer Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I love her in this. I yeah. loved her in oh, that. Yeah. I did want to make a point of the fact that she's one of many Walking Dead cast members. Yes, oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. It, and all it does is it just reminds me of how bad AMC fucked Frank over. Yeah. Not to be a downer, but... <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Yeah, we're just going to end it here. <laughs> we're done. But everyone's attention is drawn to the windows as police cars and a fire truck race by with sirens blaring. Billy immediately asks if his mom is okay, and David's like, she's fine. The manager. <laughs> like, How the fuck do I know? I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> I'm not a weatherman. So- <laughs> <laughs> the manager, Bud, played by Robert Travailer, tells Sally to mind what she's doing and she gets back to work. David overhears the MP telling the three privates that their leave has been canceled. He's going next door to the pharmacy, but they're to meet him at his Jeep in five minutes. That would scare me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We've, you've seen how many military vehicles go by and yeah. now emergency vehicles and now this dude's like oh no leaves canceled yeah we yeah. need you what's what what's, what's happening i i might walk over and be like i i know i have no rank <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what the fuck's going what's on what's going on though? Uh, david drayton poster artist yeah. uh, <laughs> man about town oh what's going on over i'm a local you yeah. can trust me <laughs> but the privates are all pissed but suddenly a siren starts loudly blaring and everyone's attention goes back to the windows Suddenly, Dan Miller, played by Jeffrey DeMunn, comes running through the parking lot toward the store. Another actor that's great in everything mm-hmm. he's in. Yeah, and if it's Frank Darabont, yeah, Jeffrey he's DeMunn. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to show up. Blood has dried from his nose down his face and his shirt. He keeps glancing backward like he's being chased. Sally recoils in horror away from the window. Finally, Dan makes it inside and yells the words that set everything in motion. Something in the mist. Something in the mist took John Lee. Unrest immediately begins amongst the crowd Mm -hmm. and David scoops Billy up. Dan screams at them to shut the doors. And once they do, he tells everyone not to go out there. Something in the mist took John Lee and he could hear him screaming. The sirens continue and everyone stares out the window in fear. One man is like, fuck this. I'm leaving. (laughs) Dan screams in protest, but the man pushes his way through the crowd out the door and runs into the parking lot. The mist is advancing with super speed now and everyone watches as the man makes it to his car and wrestles with getting his keys in the door. Those keys should have been out. <laughs> yeah. Should have been out before you walked out. You know which one is your car key. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but the mist quietly envelops him and there's a moment of silence before we hear the man start screaming. So, first of all, very frightening. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It just turns. It just turns so fast. Yeah. I did want to make mention of that amazing shot across the parking lot as yeah. the mist. Yeah. It's so cool looking. And you get a shot of King's Pharmacy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he probably Frank. nudged him. Yeah. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> but everyone who had kind of stepped outside to watch rushes back in. And Jim, played by William Sadler, 
You guys remember Dwight from Roseanne? Yes. That's yes. all I see when I see him. But he shuts the door <laughs> and they go back inside. David holds Billy as he cowers and Ambrose, played by Buck Taylor, suggests it's a pollution cloud or a chemical explosion. There's a moment of silence as they stare out the windows before Mrs. Carmody offers up. It's death. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Just then, the building begins to shake like there's an earthquake. Everyone drops to the ground, screaming as light fixtures and pieces of the ceiling fall down on them. Typically, in higher budget films, what they'll do is they'll attach the set to a gimbal and shake the shit out of it, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. That's a technical term. Yes, I believe that's an industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what they did for this, because their budget was so low, is they did everything practically. They shook the camera. They had people in the shelves shaking them. Oh, wow. shit. <laughs> they had like the light fixtures on strings and they were moving them. That's because so cool. Because they couldn't afford yeah. it any other way. And they did it in one take and they didn't tell the actors exactly <laughs> what oh, was going to happen. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, so like, look, just freak this out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this dude, I forgot, this is the funniest part to me. He, it's a friend of Frank Darabont's. He's like, hey, I got some big speakers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I've got some big speakers and I can play it like a loud rumble if you want and he's yeah. like well fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it and so they do it and don't tell the actors it's gonna happen so them freaking out is to the sound to oh, the thing. they're horrified right. yeah but it, it's perfect yeah so that's the the take we see is the one take they did oh, that's, yeah. nice. that's really cool they said they did a few pickups like in the aisle of items and stuff yeah. but the actors first take that's awesome because it works so well it i does. never would have known that not at all but Ambrose insists again that one of the mills blew up as everyone rises back to their feet. Ollie asks if everyone is okay, and Bud insists that everyone just stay inside. A character <laughs> credited as woman with kids at home, <laughs> played by Melissa McBride, speaks up and says she can't stay here. She's got to get home to her kids, hence her name. <laughs> um, Melissa McBride is great. Back when The Walking Dead was good, she was her and Michonne were my favorite characters. Hard same. Yeah, she's chef's kiss yeah and she gets maybe what two minutes of screen time here maybe and yeah. one of the most memorable performances yeah. i've ever seen yeah i was wondering too i was like that was it yeah yeah and i can because I can, you remember her yeah. Yeah. yeah the thing the reason why the role is so small is because they literally cast out and just found a local actress from dallas they said like Melissa McBride, I think was working in like casting and doing. <laughs> Why like, did I get goosebumps? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. But they found her and they were like, "Oh yeah, she's perfect." They said she blew them away in the audition, and then she blew them away even more when they were on set. Well, yeah, like you said, she's barely in this, but you yeah. remember her. Oh no, yeah, it's it's crazy. But she says she can't stay. The Mrs. Carmody tells her it's the end of day. She can't go outside. Sally begs Mrs. Carmody to just stop. Norton urges everyone to relax, but the woman insists she can't. Everyone in the crowd speaks up with different reasons why it's too dangerous for her to go outside. The woman dissolves into tears as she explains that her eight-year-old daughter is watching her son. She was only supposed to be gone for a few minutes, and if she's gone for too long, her daughter's going to forget that she's babysitting. She's only eight. Dan insists that for her kids, she not go out there. Ignoring this, the woman asks if anyone will help her, if anyone will see a lady home. And everyone averts their eyes real <laughs> yeah. quick. Oh, yeah. She asks Bud and Norton specifically, who don't answer her. And when she asks David, who's literally cradling his son, he's <laughs> yeah. like, lady, I got, I got my own <laughs> yeah. kid to worry about. Fed up, she tells them that she hopes they all rot in hell. She pushes past them and goes outside, quickly disappearing into the thick mist. 
David walks away with Billy, who's completely sobbing and asking for his mom. He tries to comfort his son as the screen fades to black. So I did read after Melissa McBride finished this scene, she got a standing ovation from the cast and crew. Oh, good. Because it's unbelievably good. And I was blown. I I see this movie a lot. I watch it all the time. Yeah. But I was blown away again. Yeah. No, you are every time. And the way she says it, won't you see a lady home? It's like, who wouldn't do that? Like, Mm -hmm. it makes you an asshole for being like, no, I'm not going out there. You know what I mean? Yet everybody is like, (laughs) asshole, you're the one who left your kids at home alone. And and I I understand eight isn't old enough to be a professional babysitter, but (laughs) (laughs) that's old enough to watch a kid, right? No. How old's the other kid? Jackson's eight. Uh Uh-huh. No, No. I would (laughs) never have him babysitting another kid. Well, if they're siblings, it's easier, right? No. <laughs> no. All, Have you yeah. never seen The Simpsons when Lisa <laughs> was a babysitter? She was also eight. How did that work out? I believe everything was resolved at the end. <laughs> it is a sitcom. I'll <laughs> give you that. It was resolved at the end. But my thing is when they don't hear her scream, wouldn't you be like, huh? Or is it just right. like Country Max dead? He's gone. Like yeah, yeah. She's outside. <laughs> you know, like I, I feel like because they heard the car man scream. Yeah. The car no, man did right. scream, but the car man was also being it, the way that she disappears. It's like she's being swallowed yeah. by the mist. I still wouldn't fucking go out there. Scream or no scream. <laughs> I'm not seeing a lady home. Yeah. I'm, I'll be comfortable here. They got. I might, I might shout out. I might be like, you OK, woman with kids yeah. <laughs> at home? Woman with kids yes, at home? Thank you. <laughs> But that night, David, Billy, Sally, Amanda, Mrs. Repler, and Hattie all sit in an aisle. Billy lays in David's lap, sucking his thumb, something he hasn't done since he was two. So kid is regressing. Mrs. Repler formally introduces David to Amanda, the new third grade and special ed teacher. She keeps talking, explaining that David is an artist that does movie posters before attributing her babbling to her nerves and girl same. I do the same thing. Ollie comes by to check on them, and when David mentions that Billy is hot, Amanda goes to get him aspirin. David asks how Dan is, and Ollie says he's calmer now, his nose has stopped bleeding, and somebody gave him a Valium. So, you know, <laughs> that'll that'll help. I remember it being a different character running in in the short story, in the novella. I just read it, and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember them saying that it was a teenager, which, to me... It makes way more sense for it to be a grown ass man. Yeah. Because if it's a teenager, I'm like, hey, fight. It's, it's probably a vine or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this kid doesn't tell him the truth. It's scarier for sure for it to be a grown man. Yes. Yeah. So that was a good change. Yeah. <laughs> but David says he needs a blanket for Billy, and Ollie directs him to the loading dock because he's still busy checking on everybody else. Sally goes to help them clean up, so David hands Billy off to Hattie and Mrs. Repler. As David heads to the loading dock, he sees Norton coaching a small group of people to keep their wits about them so they can get more information and get out of here. Before we talk about him fucking conspiring or whatever, (laughs) whatever the fuck's going on over there. I do want to make mention of the fact that David calls Billy Big Big Bill. Bill. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I know it's not on the level of a Flanagan situation, but Darabont does these King references. I was going to say it's an absolute nod to it. Like, right, it has to be. Undeniably. Yeah, I think the, the earlier in the scene, the newspaper, which I had a question earlier, but it was it's <laughs> kind, of, kind of past the time. No, okay. go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just thinking because the power was out, how did they even print that paper? Um, right, because it was out from the day before and that was a paper for that morning, right? I'm like, well, bring out the printing yeah. press. <laughs> <laughs> but it was People what, have uh, to get their news. It said uh, Castle Rock on there, didn't it? Yes, it did. 
again like and it was a split second dude yeah i love it it's awesome about the conspiring group <laughs> somebody says to norton uh-huh he's like well how are we gonna do that my man i'm like is this get out yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck like <laughs> it's the only black man we've ever yeah, seen yeah. you don't have to do that tarantino <laughs> like it's not it's not necessary but David goes to the loading dock only to immediately be choked by smoke coming off the generator. He rushes over and turns it off, causing the lights to go out in the loading dock. And <laughs> this motherfucker is clumsy as hell. Yeah. He hits himself coming out of the little area with the generator and then trips over a box and fucking lands on the floor, yeah. like falls, falls. It was really funny. He called the box a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> the box was a bitch. Fair. But back in the aisle, Amanda gets aspirin and juice for Billy as she hears Norton and Ambrose discuss the mist. A larger crowd has gathered and Mrs. Carmody explains that it's judgment day, but nobody's really trying to hear it. Like, you're going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> need you to go over there. Please. Back in the loading dock, David uses the light of his phone to try to find his way out because <laughs> he's fucking <laughs> struggling with the lights off. But before he leaves, he hears rattling on the garage door behind him. He turns to see the door slightly lift before, like, bulging inward. Yeah. Something then starts violently banging at it. David runs back into the store, knocking over another shelf as he does. <laughs> back in the, you know, the main part of the store, he runs into Ollie, Jim, and Myron, played by David Jensen. Ollie says they were going to check on the generator. David says he already turned it off because it was backing up, but he asked if anybody heard the weird noise inside there. <laughs> Nobody did, but he says something pushed up against the door and the men seem skeptical. So David starts to get a little defensive. A bag boy, Norm, played by Chris Owen, comes over with flashlights and they all go into the loading dock to investigate. I understand their skepticism, but David has not like been a liar yeah. in the past good, or anything. Good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, when know. we were kids, he <laughs> cried wolf. Yeah. Like, that never happened. I don't know. And they literally just heard a man scream bloody murder while yeah. running yeah. to his car. Yeah. That wasn't for fun. I'd already be That scared. wasn't a vine. <laughs> but Jim immediately comments on the smell inside and has Myron start the generator again. It starts to smoke and stink again, and they turn it back off, surmising that the exhaust vent is plugged up on the outside of the store. Norm says if they can run it long enough to raise the door, he'll go out and fix the problem. David immediately is like, uh-uh. And Ollie backs him, saying that it's not a great idea. Myron sways him that he'll do it then. Norm's like, no, it was my idea. I <laughs> yeah. want to go. I mean, I understand getting credit for shit, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pick your spots. David tries to calmly explain that they don't understand. This is an ordinary mist. If they open the door and something like what he heard gets in here, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Jim says he's not really convinced that David heard anything at all. They don't hear anything now. And just because David's some big shot artist doesn't oh, make him any better than the rest of them. And it's like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, did something happen? Because I'm like, what? <laughs> right away, you guys are like being There's dicks. There's this hostility. So like, yeah. Well, he was, Jim seemed kind in the store. Yeah. But when they got to the loading dock, he let his <laughs> ass show. <Yeah. laughs> he let his ass breathe. But I just, I mean, again, kind of like what we talked about on the Nostromo last week the class war yeah <laughs> like yeah. there's there's that you know simmering situation so right. I, I understand you don't like to be That's, condescended to right but he wasn't 
he wasn't like this is a gym oh yeah problem. you're right he wasn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i always take the side of the working class and i just realized yeah. oh, i know jim is entirely <laughs> yeah. wrong. you're right that didn't happen yeah, at it all. did not happen at all <laughs> and my notes are wrong i believe <laughs> <laughs> but ollie's like the food will be fine without the generator. We don't even need it. But Jim puts his foot down. This is not, I mean, clearly this is not about the generator right. anymore. No. He's going to start the motor and Norm's going to go out there. David asked if they're really going to let Norm risk his life over a generator that literally doesn't matter. And Norm is like, shut the fuck up. It's okay. First of all, I don't give a shit what happens to you now. Yeah. So I just tried to save your life, but fuck you. Uh, it makes me laugh because he says, dude, shut the fuck up. And then Ollie scolds him and he remembers that he's his boss and he's like, Anna, oop. Yeah. <laughs> like he makes I'm on the, the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe on my time I can talk to you. Yeah. Like that, but. but Jim piggybacks on this, telling David to count his teeth the next time he thinks he has something to say because he's sick of his bullshit. And I don't know what, yeah, <laughs> what bullshit I, uh, he's sick of, but. But Ollie explains that they've lost proportion. This is a problem they can't solve after being so scared and confused inside. And he's completely right. Mm -hmm. David pleads to Norm one more time, but the kid doesn't listen. He calls David a pussy <laughs> and tells Jim to raise the door. So before we raise the door and get into that whole can of worms, uh -huh. no pun intended. Right. Um, I did want to call out the camera work in this film. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting especially considering how focused the camera work normally is in a Darabont film. Uh -huh. They had to rush into production. I read that Darabont usually spends like five months on pre-production. They spent eight weeks. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I guess once he found out they were willing to make it, he's like, go, 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 yeah. go, go. <laughs> it feels like everything was stacked against this film. Yes. Like nobody wanted this film to be great. But they, against all odds. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is that he had worked on The Shield. He directed one episode of the TV show. Mm -hmm. And so from there, he made a bunch of contacts and he stole like a cinematographer, <laughs> an editor, cameraman from Damn. the shield and so it's shot almost like the shield like you get these like odd zooms at weird times and like very he said straight up he said if it's not an action sequence it's improvised camera work so wow. it's shot like a documentary all right well to me it feel, now that you said a documentary it rings true but it feels like we're in the store yeah like we're we're in the mix of that's what it feels like uh -huh. the camera work now in like I'd say 98% of the time it's successful for me. But whenever he met Sally at the beginning, they did a weird zoom and it's like, it's Sally. I'm like, calm down. I don't even know her. Yeah, I don't even know her name. I had to read her fucking name tag. But <laughs> so most of the time it works. Yeah. <laughs> but Jim raises the door. They all peer out into the mist and Jim, Myron and Norm all begin to laugh at David when there's nothing out there. Just then, the smiles drop from their faces and Norm turns around just in time to see a tentacle wrap around his ankle. You hate to see it. Yeah, hate to see it. <laughs> Norm is immediately pulled to the ground. He begs for help, but nobody goes to help him except for David, the pussy. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm too petty. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, you need the pussy's help? Yeah, no, I, oh, I wouldn't even. I, I was told like, to shut guys, the fuck up. <laughs> you guys going to help him? Yeah. <laughs> like He's your friend. Yeah. <laughs> But as the tentacle drags him out, David grabs onto Norm and tries to pull him back. Several other tentacles appear in the mist as Norm sobs that there's more. David asks for someone to help, but Jim and Myron are literally paralyzed with fear. 
Ollie drops his flashlight and rushes over, grabbing Norm's other arm and helping David pull. A tentacle, like, bites? Mm-hmm. Uh, for lack of a better yeah. term. Yeah. I mean, it opens up. <laughs> yeah. A big chunk out of Norm's leg. Ollie jumps up and runs for an in-case-of-emergency box that houses an axe. The tentacle comes back up and takes a chunk from Norm's chest. Blood sprays and Norm and David scream. Ollie breaks the glass and comes back with the axe as Myron and Jim, again, just (laughs) watch. He tells David to hold Norm still as he brings the axe down, but the tentacle wins this game of of tug-of-war and Norm is pulled, leaving Ollie to hit nothing but the floor. Norm grabs onto the garage door and David and Ollie rush forward to try to pull him back again. But then like this giant limb, I guess it's I, like an incognito tentacle yeah. because it was a thick boy. Juicies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a super tentacle. Like I yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm I'm just wondering like where how many? You a know lot. what I mean? Like what yeah. a lot. But this this thick boy slides past <laughs> them into the loading dock causing jim and myron to scream and fall backward it sniffs at bags of dog food before grabbing one turning into a giant version of the tentacles as it raises i'm trying to describe it as it raises up high to the ceiling and opens the bag of dog food raining it down on myron and jim a tentacle rears up at david and that's when david's like i'm out yeah. <laughs> so he backs away calling at myron and jim to start the generator instead ollie jumping over the giant body of the super tentacle does it himself david watches as norm is enveloped by the tentacles and pulled screaming into the mist i guess done now yeah. the tentacles <laughs> all begin to retreat but the big one struggles to pull its thick ass back out <laughs> David grabs the axe and hacks at it. It squeals as it retreats through the closing door, but David manages to cut off the tip of it. The door finally closes. So with that, it goes with that. This was a lot. It was. Yeah. (laughs) I think that for the most part, it was successful. The practical wound effects on Mm -hmm. Norm are really fucking good. Yeah. But sometimes those tentacles, you know that they pasted them shits (laughs) on the screen. The tentacles look a little rough. They, and they're all right. There's <laughs> could be worse, could yeah. be better. I think that it's the it's the thick one that comes in yeah. and they're jumping over nothing and shit. It's a little you know- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, just immerse what did I say that time? Submerge yourself. Yeah. Submerge, yeah. <laughs> you won't notice it. Dive into the mist. Dive yeah. into the You'll mist. You'll be fine. But gasping for air and covered in Norm's blood, David turns to glare at Jim, who's immediately like, I'm sorry. <laughs> He says, how the hell was he supposed to know what David meant? He should have said what he meant better. David punches Jim in the face. Oh, yeah. And the stomach. And continues to hit him, (laughs) telling him that he got Norm killed. Did he get a good look at what he did? Ollie pulls David from Jim, telling him that this won't solve anything. And it won't, but I bet it felt good. It looked good. Yeah. (laughs) It was satisfying. I thought it would be poetic if he spat out a tooth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then David's like, one. Yeah. He tells Jim that he got Norm killed and now he has his blood all over him. He drops to his knees, panting, moaning and retching like panic attack mode. Ollie comforts him until David tells him he's done now. Ollie asks what's next and David tells him to kill the generator. Ollie immediately goes to do this and they all ignore Jim as he just continues to apologize. Myron helps Jim to his feet and defends his friend by saying, look, they didn't twist Norm's arm. David explains that Norm's a kid and kids are supposed to be stupid. So what's their excuse? He's right. He yeah. is. 
They're, uh, that was a dick swinging contest. That's all. That's all that look, was. They, I, Ollie literally said, "We don't need the generator." Yeah. <laughs> well, even that. Look, I get the kid wants to be brave, or he wants yeah. to whatever. Mm-hmm. You're a grown ass adult. Yeah. You You're should, supposed yeah. to tell him. You should t- look, kid. S- just sit back, dude. Yeah. We all, we, you know what I mean. I get you want to help, but you know, instead what I mean? of being like, step aside, I'll deliver yeah. this baby. <laughs> But he tells Myron and Jim to go back into the store and stand by the door, but not to say anything to anyone about what happened yet. They leave and David nods at Ollie to kill the generator. He does, leaving them in darkness, but David turns on his flashlight and Ollie comes over explaining that they do have to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. They have to stop everyone from going outside. But David says they won't believe them. He doesn't even know if he believes them and he was there. What can they even say to convince them? And more importantly, what were those tentacles attached to? Thinking like a genius. Yeah. Because that's what I'd be worried about more than anything, because it seemed like it was one thing. Yeah. And that's even worse than it being 10 things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But this idea of telling them, uh, it made me think of uh, the cave allegory from Plato. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically to sum it up it's fucking funny because a teacher told me it once and i thought it was one thing for like 10 years until i researched it and the teacher fucking told me the wrong shit <gasps> no. and, and so i had been referencing it for 10 years and just been wrong but it's basically if people are raised in a cave and all they know are the shadows on the wall from the fire in the cave and then you come in and you try to tell them hey no look look outside like there's real shit out here they'll retreat to the cave and resent you for it because mm-hmm. it's what they know exactly yeah which kind of fits with everything with jim and myron because they go back to what they know as opposed to believing what david's trying to tell them yeah i think you're gonna run into that shit a ton if you try to tell everyone in the store hey we just fought a tentacle monster <laughs> yeah. outside and they're like um so anyway we're gonna focus on dinner tonight yeah. because <laughs> that's real didn't uh what is it in uh men in black which i know you're very you used to be very fond of i was yes and tommy lee jones what do you what do you tell will smith a person is smart mm-hmm. people are dumb stupid animals <laughs> So if you go tell this whole crowd the wrong way, those motherfuckers are going to freak out. And that's the thing is it's you got a poignant quote from Men in Black. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good movie. It's not bad. I want to revisit it. But that's that's the thing is it's not even just telling them. It's like, do we tell them? Well, I don't know. How do we tell them? Because you can't break it the way I just did. (laughs) Listen, there's some shit outside. Don't Uh go outside. No. You don't want to go out there. But that just kind of sounds like you're just making some shit up. I don't know. I feel like it it takes me back to like the government hiding stuff about aliens right, because right. we're not ready. Uh-huh. We're ready. We're ready. They, I mean, there's going to be that small group of people that's like, no, we're going to go anyway. Okay, yeah. let them go. And now they're dead. And now the smart people can stay and we'll figure it out. And we have more food. <laughs> and we have more food. <laughs> So David leaves the loading dock and Amanda sees him covered in blood and is horrified. But he's like, it's not my blood. Yeah. Like, that's okay. He's like, oh, it's not mine. Everything's pizza. It's cool. God. (laughs) You want to explain? I guess I have to now. Yeah. Okay. We we were eating at um, Cheesecake Cheesecake Factory a few years ago. And the server comes up to the table. We're all talking and laughing. It's us. And then my parents and my kids and we're all laughing and hanging out and then the server comes up and goes everything pizza and i'm horrified because immediately i'm thinking that pizza is like a cool term now (laughs) and that i've officially reached the age where i don't know slang anymore but then i turn around and 
he literally had a pizza and was asking if we had ordered the pizza <laughs> because everything was on it. It was yeah. an everything pizza. <laughs> so that's become a new lingo. Yeah, you, everything pizza Nate? Yeah, everything. Yeah, every- pizza. Yeah. It's so pizza. David's like, everything's pizza. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> everything's pizza. Don't, don't worry, worry about, about it. it. Not my blood. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> But he tells her that he'll explain everything that happened later. He just can't let Billy see him like this. He takes off his shirt and starts to put on a fresh one, asking her to just keep Billy distracted. And she leaves. So David goes back over to Ollie, Myron and Jim, who have all started dipping into the beer supply. (laughs) Understandable. Right. Jim immediately apologizes again. And David tells him that people just need to know what happened. They don't need to know how it happened, which is kind. Mm hmm. Because I'd be like, this fucking piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) They propose to start with the out-of-towners, and Ollie thinks it should be Norton. He's an important New York attorney who will probably be a judge one day, and a lot of people look up to him, which is smart. I mean, we debated earlier about whether or not to tell or not tell. That's a good way, I think, to get the ball rolling. Is to start with someone respectable. Someone who's trusted, yeah. But he tells David that they need to do it quickly to stop the creatures from getting into the store. Myron says they're safe. They closed the loading dock door. But Ollie reminds him that the entire front of the store yeah. is windows made of glass. So we're dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. David immediately goes to pull Norton off to the side. And we see from Ollie, Jim and Myron's point of view as David quietly explains the situation to him. Norton is clearly not buying it. Yeah. Well, I think you see him say tentacles. He's like, look, tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just fucking said, do not start with the tentacles. He brings tentacles up way too soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't start there. You work your way to the tentacles. Yeah. Right. But he comes over and even though the rest of the guys co-sign for David, he tells him he's not stupid and it's tasteless of them to use the situation to try to make him look like an idiot. David invites him back to the loading dock, promising blood and a chunk of tentacle on the floor. (laughs) Norton refuses, saying that they have real issues out here to deal with. When Ollie asks why they would possibly lie about this, things escalate quickly. In Norton's estimation, this is payback for the lawsuit he filed against David. It wasn't enough to win. He has to be humiliated, too, by being shown a rubber snake while the rest of these hicks stand around and laugh. Myron is. Myron's not having it. Damn, dude. Yeah. (laughs) He advances on Norton and Jim has to hold him back. So then Norton turns on Jim. This is a local versus out of towner situation to Norton. Mm hmm. He says he hears Jim talking shit behind his back. So two things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, there is a change from the novella to here where because Norton is black, out of towner feels like a loaded term. It does. Mm -hmm. And Andre Brower insisted on that. He came up with that. None of that was in the script. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. This is his little spin that he added to it to make it really really what's your issue with me yeah. you know what i mean because that's what it feels like and with jim he's probably right yeah <laughs> norton's mean, probably right probably the other moment with his little dispute with myron is just an odd choice in acting because he's like hey hey fuck and then he stops and <laughs> yeah. he's like mm, yes because he goes to listen <laughs> <He> to <does>. jim <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about just he's like mm-hmm. interesting choice <laughs> But he tells David that he thought he was actually being kind to him today, but he's glad to be set straight. And he's even glad that the tree fell on David's boathouse. Man. He's like, I'm going to say it. (laughs) I don't care that your boathouse is smashed. (laughs) 
I it's it's so bad because literally everything was fine. Everything yeah. was pizza. Everything was pizza, <laughs> and it just took a few tentacles to fuck everybody yeah. shit up. They could have been friends. It was just weird how, like you said, they were they were already they were being they cool were and all they that. was building, and then right away it's like damn, dude, yeah. it's like, why? And then plus, why would I lie to you? I think, and I think that's you, I think this is the cave allegory because he's yeah. like, I'm just gonna go to believing what I know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you can enjoy your tentacle yeah. <laughs> shit <laughs> like i mean even at that it's like he's like y'all all are working together to try to make me look like a fool it's like dude really why would we how stupid does that sound and how stupid does the what four or five of us sound saying that mm-hmm. if they were actually doing that and how stupid yeah. <laughs> and then it's like a green snake and yeah. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> then who's the real idiot <laughs> But all of this drama has attracted attention. David tells Norton that lives, including his sons, are at stake and he'll drag him back there if he has to. He's like, matter of fact. (laughs) He tries to do just that, but Norton makes an even bigger scene, saying that he's been assaulted and he will sue David again. And this time, David will go to jail. Ollie finally steps up to get everyone's attention. (laughs) Like something not so chill. (laughs) Bud tries to reprimand them for drinking, saying that he will report Ollie and he's going to start taking down names for the police report. Ollie's like, take down your names. But in the meantime, shut the fuck up. That's (laughs) when I was like, Ollie's the shit. I'm on Ollie's team. Really? This policy time, dude? Yeah. Right. Stop that. Because he was like, you're drinking on the job. (laughs) You go back there. Yeah. You look at that fucking tentacle and and you might. And I'll have a beer waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. But Ollie gives the floor to David. I like how he gets everyone's attention and is like, David. (laughs) (laughs) He's the opening act. And he explains that, you know, what happened on the loading dock. Dan backs him up that there were things out there, but everything happened too quickly for him to see what it was. But when David says the word tentacles, there is a division. (laughs) These tentacles are controversial. (laughs) (laughs) You don't open with the tentacles, David. Bud begins to laugh and Norton joins him, dubbing them tentacles from Planet X. Great. Which in the book, they say that he says it and it was funny the first few times, but then he won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> he and really we, runs it into the ground. We've been in those situations. Uh. <laughs> but <laughs> Bud surmises that the tentacles are coming out of the beer can. So David's like, why don't you come on back and see? Okay. So at this point for me... A lot of the dialogue, I want to say, and I know a lot of it's taken verbatim from it is, uh-huh. the novella, but it feels very 50s. Kind of. Like yeah, old school. I, yeah. Like I, almost uh, like a almost like a upgraded B movie. I didn't um, register that, but you're yeah. right. Like yeah. almost, you know what I'm getting real vibes of is the monsters are due I on Maple Street. I was just thinking that. Like it feels like a Twilight Zone. All right. <laughs> I like Twilight Zone. Like, yeah. yeah. But it was lines like that where I think the tentacles are coming out <laughs> of the beer can. It's like, uh, did Rod Serling do uncredited? <laughs> okay, Pete Campbell. <laughs> Settle down. But Bud does go back with them along with the character named Biker, played by Brian Libby. And as promised, there are puddles of blood on the floor and a straight up tentacle tip on the yeah. ground. <laughs> Biker pokes it with the broom handle until it writhes and then completely dissolves. So it's like, well, there goes your evidence. Yeah. I was very bummed that it dissolved. Yeah. Because it's kind of stereotypical for these films for that shit to happen. Well, I expected them to go back there and it's gone. Yeah. 
Not oh, even, yeah. You know? When they came back with the flashlights and you saw the blood, I was like, this is a good sign. Yeah. Because <laughs> usually the fucking tentacle would have came back and cleaned up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbed like eight towels. But um, one thing I did want to say is that in this scene, the tentacle is practical. It's an actual tentacle that Greg right. Nicotero no. made. Well, not an right, actual right. tentacle. Not, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicotero found it yeah. on its way to set. And he's like, use this. No. But they would use on set kind of markers and models to kind of get the actors in the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then a lot of it would be CG later. And so this is one of the models that they had made for that purpose. <laughs> like, this is what you're afraid of. Exactly. Yeah. This is what's coming at you. And That's so cool. it's a lot easier to have this scene with a practical tentacle. Right. I'm um, glad- not a real tentacle. I'm, but- <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they did. Yes. But when they go back to the main part of the store, Bud has changed his tune. (laughs) Later, we get sweeping shots through the misty parking lot up to the front of the store. Everyone inside is using big bags of fertilizer and dog food to set up a barricade in front of those huge windows. So I love these shots through the mist. Mm -hmm. They have a big set. At this point, the parking lot is fucking left wherever it is. Right. It's not real anymore. It's a drawing now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they have these two big sets that they combined and they cut off. So they have one that they would go and fill with mist in the morning Mm -hmm. and just have it there all day while they filmed. And so they would have it for the actors to actually react to and look at. And That's so cool. Yeah. So when you see that them going through the mist, that's them going through actual mist. That's really cool. I'm sure that added to like the feeling like the vibe for sure that'd be scary as fuck also they kept calling it the fog in the novella and i'm like john carpenter is not gonna (laughs) (laughs) so i see why they changed it but we cut to the bathroom where mrs carmody is having a full-blown conversation with god she prays to him over a lit candle on a toilet seat to be able to save some of these people they can't all be bad even though she knows that most of them are (laughs) She says if she can save just a few or even one, then her life would have had meaning and she would have earned a place at his side. As she continues, Amanda enters the bathroom. She calls out to whoever's inside and Mrs. Carmody stops praying. She blows out her candle and dries her tears with toilet paper. She turns rudely to Amanda, who says that she only needed to use the bathroom. (laughs) Mrs. Carmody turns to leave. But Amanda stops her and is like, look, it's okay to be scared. And if you need a friend, you know, I'm here. (laughs) And Mrs. Carmody tells her that her friend is God. And she talks to him every day. So don't be mocking her. Then she tells Amanda that the day she needs a friend like her, she'll have a squat and shit one out. That's a lot. Yeah. I I thought you were a woman of God. Yeah, Yeah. that lady's a monster. (laughs) fucking awful now, i've never been to church is that how they chat normally I think yeah. So. <laughs> okay. yeah okay in the bathroom oh wow <laughs> but she leaves amanda in disbelief i'd be like Did well, this yeah. ba- i don't even know that i could react well she wasn't condescending <laughs> no. at all I, no. I mean oh man she's literally literally just trying to be there for her yeah yep. and it's interesting this scene was not in the novella no i feel like mrs carmody is horrifying in the novella but they really bring the heat. Yeah. <laughs> <for her. laughs> like you can't even appeal to her yeah. <laughs> on a human level. No. But back in the store, Norton is announcing to the room that maybe they're not outright lying. Maybe they're just delusional. But there's no evidence to support any of this. David says that this isn't a courtroom and all he's doing is damage. But Norton accuses him of just throwing some cow's blood around the loading yeah. dock. I don't know if he thinks that 
all the locals just carry around yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but Ollie tells David to just let it go. You can't convince some people there's a fire even if their hair is burning yeah. because denial is powerful. And fucking Ollie is just, Man. Fu- he every time he opens his mouth, it's good <laughs> shit. I hope he starts a blog before the yeah. fire. <laughs> That's his Twitter account. Eh? But Mrs. Carmody speaks up that there's no appeals court in hell and there's no defense here either. They can stack fertilizer as high as they want, but at the end of the day, they're just bags of shit. Now you got a Miss Carmody got a potty mouth. Yeah. She does. <laughs> Which, okay. But Norton says, anyone who wants to rationally discuss getting out of here can come with him and the rest can stay and stack dog food. Which they're really doing something useful, but the way he puts it makes him so yeah. really yeah. stupid. <laughs> and, and he kind of tilts his head yeah. like yeah. dog food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But people disperse, some going to help stack and some leaving with Norton to the back of the store. Mrs. Carmody takes her Bible out and starts to preach from it with a scared woman standing next to her and listening. Now, before <laughs> when she was doing this shit, nobody was trying yeah. to hear it. But this lady's like, now, who's this God fellow? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've heard so much about. I was pissed. I was like, God damn it. She brought her pocket Bible. Yeah. <laughs> this is just going to get worse and worse. Dan asks what she's saying, and she puts it simply. We must prepare to meet our maker. Jim, still drinking, tells her that her tongue is hung in the middle so it can waggle at both ends. That's a line from the book. It's great to me, but... It feels more 50s. It does. (laughs) (laughs) She tells him that the end has come, not in flames, but in mist. Jim then has to be held back (laughs) and threatens to kick her ass. I was like, you're going to fight this lady, dude? (laughs) Go ahead, man. Oh, my God. (laughs) In front of everyone, Yes. Everyone tells Jim, who's clearly drunk, to chill. David reassures Billy that everything's fine, but Mrs. Carmody keeps going. She tells anyone who doesn't believe to just go on outside and see how that works for them. A man with a scared daughter tells her to shut up, and Amanda says that she's scaring all the kids. But Mrs. Carmody's like, they should be scared. She says their minds have been warped to the idea of a new God or no God, and there's only one, and he's vengeful and pissed, and he demands retribution and blood. It's time to take sides. The saved and the damned. Isn't she like rubbing some kid's face? She yeah. is. Yeah. I feel like, stop <laughs> fucking touching my kid. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Who and does that? What's crazy to me is that she's seen as like the town nut. Nut job. Yeah. yeah. But give a and little ta- bit. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what is getting me. This has been going on, what, five hours, maybe four hours? Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's insane. Tie her up. Just, you know, we'll feed yeah. you. <laughs> Sit over there. But she says the Bible calls for expiation, a.k.a. blood. Now, <laughs> this film was like a word of the day calendar because yeah. I never heard yeah. the word expiation before now. But Great word. It's a great word. She says Norm was just the first one. Now it's everyone else's turn. The bill is due. She keeps going until Amanda goes over and slaps her in the face, telling her that that's enough. But this only bolsters her. The snap having drawn blood from her lip, she's like, oh, another down payment. Yeah. Like, Bitch, don't be rolling with it. I got to say, dude, her not she's only. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give it to her. She's fucking like nuts. But her fucking wit is great. She says like some shit that makes me laugh out loud. Yeah. In this movie. And I'm like, I know that you're awful, but that's really yeah. funny. <laughs> But damn, lady. And she goes, pennies in the jar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I love this. I hate you, but I love you. Oh, my God. But 
Billy notices the military guys huddled together and talking quietly. Mrs. Carmody says the creatures will come back tonight and take someone else. And when it happens, they'll be asking Mother Carmody to show them the way. And it's like, you don't get to give yourself a nickname. Yeah. No. <laughs> Stop it. So you just jump from sister yeah. like you're not even um, bothering. Now. Ollie tells her that until then, shut up before he tapes her mouth shut. She tells him to try. And then she's like, and you bitch. Yeah. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> she's just fucking she tells amanda that she'll be on her knees to her before this is through she walks away and ollie warns all the out-of-towners that mrs carmody is known around town for being unstable yes and see i i'm a non-religious person but i i guess the bible's up to interpretation i because she's (laughs) doing her own shit with it she yeah this is mother carmody (laughs) version what do you call i don't know (laughs) (laughs) we're not religious Billy goes over to the military guys and asks why they don't just call their friends to bring their tanks and come help. They say their phones don't work, but David comes over and asks them to help. They immediately leave. Like, yeah. like we don't want to answer any of this shit. Hmm. Billy tells David that he doesn't like Mrs. Carmody, and David's like, I don't either, but she's probably just scared too. I love this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he very easily, if I were him, I'd be like, yeah, she's fucking... Yeah, that bitch yeah. is nuts. <laughs> I hope she leaves. But yeah. <laughs> he looks at it again it's another building block of showing how good of a person he uh-huh. is he's trying to see it from her point of view why would she be acting like this she's, she's scared. just as yeah. scared as we are yeah and passing on that lesson to your kid he's a good dad yeah but billy wonders if steph is okay and says that he's sorry for all the times he was bad to her but david tells him that steph loves him very much and she's probably fine he promises to do everything he can to get him back to her david and billy join a group up front of bud dan and amanda Dan says they can use lighter fluid and mops to make torches. But when asked, Bud says that they don't keep a gun in the store. Ambrose steps forward to tell them he has a shotgun in his truck and he's willing to go for it. But David doesn't think that that's a good idea. Amanda pulls a gun out of her purse along with bullets. Her husband is away on business a lot and it was his idea she get it for protection, but she doesn't know how to shoot very well. But all he does, well, yeah. the fucking MVP, man. He, he does it all. He stalks, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a bagger, and he's a crack shot. My thing is, she carries 12 rounds. Like, those were speed loaders, dude. Yeah. How many is her husband in the mob? Like, they might come for you at dinner. Uh, wow. Well, Carmella, be ready. you need to protect yourself. <laughs> but suddenly. Norton and his crew come up to the front intent on leaving before David psychs out more of his people. More division. That's enough. What are you, Moses now? (laughs) (laughs) But he says that they're experiencing a disaster that is certainly not spiritual or biblical. And the only choice they have is to go out and seek rescue. David, resigned, asks that he at least tie a rope around his waist to see if he can make it 300 feet. If I'm Norton, I'm going to start pissing what? myself right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh? But Biker speaks up. He'll go. He doesn't agree with Norton, but he thinks he can definitely use Ambrose's shotgun. Mm-hmm. And he knows where Ambrose parked his red pickup. He takes Ambrose's keys and ties the rope around himself, reje- rejecting the knife that Ollie offers him for his own much larger knife. It's like you call that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were kidding. Now, you can expect I appreciate it. I know, because uh, you're, you're a knife you're a guy. Knife man. And I, I think I have that exact one sitting <laughs> on the kitchen table. Not well, always. Uh, no, no, not that one. <laughs> the big one. The real yeah. knife. I did want to point out, we all can agree that this biker is a badass. Yes. Yeah. 
but I did read something that was very funny to me, and I almost would like to see this version. Oh, God. (laughs) The role was originally offered to Stephen King. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a different character. Yes. Oh, wow. And the only reason he said no is because he didn't want to travel to film it. So he would have. So if he would have. Yeah. He's like, if you film it in Maine, I'll be there. Right. All I'm thinking of is the character he did in Sons of Anarchy. Yes. I feel like that's all it would be. Just Bachman. <laughs> <laughs> but David quietly asks Norton if there's anything he can do to talk him out of it. But Norton tells him there's nothing out there. Nothing in the mist. I just like that line. <laughs> and if he's wrong, then the joke really would be on him after all. Mrs. Carmody tells Norton that they will die out there. <laughs> but, Norton, but Norton boldly opens the door and steps out into the mist. Before he leaves behind them, Biker tells Mrs. Carmody that he believes in God too. He just doesn't believe him to be the bloodthirsty asshole she makes him out to be. Mrs. Car- <laughs> Mrs. Carmody in classic <laughs> Mrs. Carmody fashion is like, well, yeah, why don't you just chat that over with the devil when you run into him? <laughs> Dude, she goes chat it over at your leisure. Yeah. I'm like, I, I love her. Marsha Gay Harden. No, Marsha Gay Harden is great. Yes. Mrs. Carmody is fucking yeah. awful. Oh my God, with her thin villainous eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand her. But yeah, that makes me, no, that that, makes me that laugh shit every is time. laugh out loud funny. But Norton and his crew strike out for the center of town and disappear into the mist. Biker heads further into the parking lot, disappearing himself with the rope trailing behind him. Back in the store, David continues to feed more of the rope with Dan, Bud, Amanda, and Ollie doing the same behind him. It's like a train situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everyone anxiously watches as the rope goes slack. It tightens back up again, giving them a brief second of hope, but then it pulls forward. The rope burns their hands as it's quickly pulled out the door. Finally, when they get a grip, it pulls the entire train of people holding it until it goes at a sharp upward angle and then snaps, causing yeah. them to fall back. The biker went up. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is way more frightening than if it just, yeah. just ran being pulled, yeah. On commentary, Darabon said that the entire crew was with the other side of the rope on the opposite end of the <laughs> stage, and they were pulling the rope with a machine, and so it was changing the speed and how quick they oh, were doing shit. it. But he said he was basically them paying, playing tug of war with the whole cast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it just made me laugh. He said it was his favorite day on film was filming oh. this scene on set. His favorite yeah. day on film. <laughs> <laughs> but David pulls the rope back into the store and we see that it's covered in blood. Finally, the lower half of Biker's body is pulled into the view of the store. It is full panic as they cut the rope and shut the door. Seizing her moment, Mrs. Carmody asks if they all believe now. And then it fades to black. This bitch, she knows her moments. Yeah, she's picking her spots. I can't even... (laughs) can't even fault her for it. No. I will say, first of all, incredible sequence. Yes. I love this so much. It's such a simple thing to do. And it's so crazy how much of a crowd reaction you can get from changing the rope from white to red. Yeah. Because yeah. I popped. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and it's just a simple thing. It is. And I even found myself still watching it for the show. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. But I know. Time. Yeah. But I know yeah. it's coming. Oh, biker. No. You hear yeah. the you hear the um, people in the store groan and yeah. he keeps pulling it. And yeah. it's just like, oh, no. I don't want to see it. No, nope. because it's not just that it broke and it's bloody. Like he is pulling no, something. Yeah. You yeah. can see. Uh, no. And they let the body get a little too close before they start to yeah. scream. And they're like, drop the rope, drop the rope. They can't see. It's the misty. Oh, that's it's fair. The it's the misty. It's the misty. 
But later, Myron and Jim set up spotlights as the sun starts to go down. But they warn David that they aren't charged. They have five to ten minutes of light in them, if that. So it's only to be used in case of emergency, like if something were to get inside the store. Every time I've watched the film until for this show, I was like, wow, man, can't believe Biker's dead. But Norton and his group, I wonder what happened. No, they're all dead, right? That was my question. Because, I mean, you don't hear them scream. No, you don't hear. But but they they were right next to him. They went in different directions. They went off for the center of town and Biker went further into the parking lot. Hmm. So you don't have to cut through the center of the parking lot to get to the center of town. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then I don't know. But that's because yeah, we don't know. This is the last we see of Norton. Yeah. And we his ne- fucking group. Spoiler alert. We yeah. never see them again. Yeah. So that's why I was like, are they dead? We don't know. All right. I mean, I feel like it's safe to assume, but right. do we know? No. Didn't, unless he, those ghouls murked them quietly. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I can snap their neck, like, because <laughs> you don't hear them anything. No, I didn't even kill. think about that. Yeah. Yeah. But. In the locker room, Private Jessup startles Sally as she closes her locker. He tells her he's worried about his parents who only live about five miles away, but Sally's who are out of town in Boston are fine. I'd be like, how do you know that? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, this is a local mist. It's fine. (laughs) But they talk about him shipping out and she quickly asks why he never asked her out when they flirted all through high school and she knows that he likes her. He's like, well, because I'm stupid. (laughs) But they kiss. He's like, because I'm a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they kiss and she pulls away saying that she doesn't want it to happen like this in a shitty locker room at work. He asks if they can just stay together for a while and she smiles. So very quickly, uh, if it doesn't happen here at the locker room, it might not happen yeah. at all. Yeah. Let it happen yeah. in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> but the second thing that I wanted to say is that you do see the project arrowhead patch Mm -hmm. on his uniform when they're necking or whatever (laughs) not necking this is the 50s yeah i'm I'm getting in i think my brain's changing but (laughs) you do see it and so it's like whoa that's kind of lending credence right to all the stories that we've heard yeah back in the main part of the store they kind of sit quietly with some of them looking out through holes in the like walls of the bags a man sits to eat his dinner. I forgot to mention. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when Norton, it's just a throwaway line, but may- when I think it's when Norton is trying to get his group to yeah. leave. David's like, look, it's cool. Just stay. Mr. So-and-so is going to barbecue some chicken. He did. Well, my thing is if I'm an Norton, I'd be like, well, maybe we can leave maybe tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're leaving on an empty stomach. I mean, what have you had? Yeah. Like jujubes or whatever they have? <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> i mean you probably haven't eaten anything yeah but um jujubees i don't know yeah. if i can send that no this guy sits in front of the hole and he's got some barbecue chicken he's got a side and a hawaiian roll yeah <laughs> dude well it's a fully it stocked right? yeah they're having a cookout in there that is one thing i like about the novella is they talk about that being that dude's solving a problem on the dock yes is yeah. cooking for yeah. the group right. So he kind of is centering himself in that. Yeah. Everybody's got their thing. This is a problem that I can solve. Yeah. We're hungry. I can feed you. Mm-hmm. But they, there is barbecue chicken. <laughs> 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 but we see a small bug floating outside the window. Suddenly the bug comes toward us and we realize it wasn't small. It was just far away. It's giant. And it lands on the window, causing the guy with the barbecue chicken to scream and kind of fall backward. Now, most importantly... He does not get to fuck that chicken up because it falls. Oh, no, yeah. It falls on the floor. And obviously, I guess what is about to happen is more important. But <laughs> legitimately seeing that bug, the creature design needs yeah. to be called out. Called out for 
like in a bad way? No, positively. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, Tino. No, I, I think it's great. Yeah. It's I. It's so funny to me because I, I know this term in the context of what it is, but I've never read Lovecraft ever in my life. Mm-hmm. But these are Love- Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian. <laughs> 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 you get it. Sure. No, these bugs are fucking terrifying. Yes, yes. they like, are. I when they started landing or when they landed on the thing, I mm-hmm. was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> well, because they give you this like false. Oh, it's just a bug, yeah. but then it just keeps fucking getting bigger yeah, and bigger. No. Am I okay? Maybe I'm crazy, but I wouldn't be sitting there with my chicken watching. I probably uh, would out well, the window. Maybe it was his turn to kind of keep watching. A few of All them right. are. That's Dan's yeah. over there. Bud's over there. A few people are. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel comfortable with something no. not keeping watch. I'd be in aisle four. Yeah, I'd make like a little picnic. No, right. with your barbecue chicken and your Hawaiian roll. Yeah, making little sandwiches. Wow. <laughs> That's understandable. But David comes over to investigate with his lantern. Sally and Jessup join the group as they watch several more of these big bugs mm. gently land on the window. Mrs. Carmody, of course, is quoting scripture and marveling at the stingers on the bugs. They get bigger flashlights to look out at them, and everyone stares until Ollie screams as a huge creature swoops down toward the bugs. It lands roughly, completely shattering the glass. Everyone screams and backs away. Jim and Myron start up their spotlights, but Ollie muses that he thinks that the bugs are attracted to the light. Mm Mm-hmm. They rush to turn off the lanterns lining the windows and Jim is rushing to turn all the big <laughs> yeah. lights on. This miscommunication. Oh my God. Yeah. It's awful. It's so bad. Everyone is running everywhere. Mrs. Carmody recites the Bible and a woman falls and hurts her arm right next to Billy and Hattie. The bugs still attracted to the light cling to the glass as that huge creature snatches them up, damaging the glass even more until it finally breaks. So I did hear on the commentary the way they're achieving these broken, you know, spider or whatever mm-hmm. things on the window uh-huh. is they were literally having someone throw a baseball bat at the window. Oh, my throw God. Throw a baseball bat. A baseball. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking baseball. I don't know why I said that. But <laughs> I didn't even register. I'm just like, oh, shit. A baseball player punched the window. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a baseball. Um and they were compositing in later with the visual effects uh, all right, all of right. this fucking bird it creature. It worked. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. That's really smart. But that's the thing, though, when you don't have a lot of money to use as a crutch. Right. Like, you get creative. Mm-hmm. I, I, It works very, very well. And they do a lot of stuff in this sequence of, like, a mix of practical and CG. Mm-hmm. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. But with the glass broken, the bugs rush in and Dan yells at Jim and Myron to kill the lights. Amanda kills one of the bugs yeah, <laughs> with the rake, but one lands on Sally and stings her in the neck. And I bet she wishes she would have just got it in in yeah. the locker room. Got but it in. Just- <laughs> <laughs> it was young love. I thought it was well. sweet. <clears throat> but just... <laughs> <laughs> Jessup rushes to her and her neck is already starting to swell, like immediately. Yeah. It's chaos. A bird creature comes into the store and Amanda is struggling to light David's mop on fire. Remember their plan with the torches? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, two oh, things. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> you just I'm look sorry. like you're trying not to laugh. <laughs> no, I was laughing. One thing I just got to throw away, but he calls Sally sweetheart. Yeah. She's on the ground. I'm like, you're not We're dating We're together yet. now. Yeah. yeah. What, from that one talk in the yeah, longer Yeah, because. I guess, man. But 
the other thing is that as she's trying to light David's like torch, she's screaming the whole time, and it's just really <laughs> funny watching her trying to work a lighter, and she's just like, ah! <laughs> well, it's scary as shit. Oh, it yeah, is, but- and, and it's it is in all fairness, it is selling the reality of the moment yeah. because I'd probably be doing the same shit. <laughs> But it just made me laugh. I'll do my duties, but I'm screaming yeah. while I'm doing <laughs> It makes you go faster. It does. It's a motivator. But Ollie goes after the bird creature with his gun, but doesn't get to take the shot when a woman and her child are just fucking standing there in the way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this a police Move, training video? Bitch, right? <laughs> shoot them. Don't shoot yeah. them. You missed the baby. You missed the- <laughs> But Jim stops Ollie and he's like, look, Ollie, do you want these lights on or yeah. off? I'm like, dude, oh my God. <laughs> And Ollie's like, just leave them on. Yeah. A man by the window kills one of the bugs, but is quickly murdered by one of the bird creatures that comes through the window. Amanda finally gets the mop lit and David goes over and burns it while it is just chomping on the man's neck. Yeah. Meat. As he's chomping, we get a long shot of him enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, he was loving it. This dude smacks. Yeah. <laughs> Saw that barbecue chicken. Oh, yeah. But he, he was marinated. Yeah. <laughs> <in it. laughs> Sally is struggling for air as her throat and face continue to swell and Jessup is just sobbing over her. She finally takes her last breath and dies. Now, (laughs) Joe, played by Jackson Hurst, gets a mop from the bucket (laughs) of gas. (laughs) I'm so sorry. And successfully lights it only to trip over the bucket, spill the gas, slip in the gas and drop the flaming mop, causing the flames to spread everywhere. Then he catches on fire and starts running through the store. So I'm going to knock off half a point for this. That was the most Three Stooges shit I had ever seen. Well, he like Pratt falls. Yes. I was like, no. I was like, do you have to do that? What I love about it is the next shot is a shot of Dan and dude's just burning in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking blurry. It's so funny, dude. No, it's still happening. We're not looking at him. (laughs) But the creature that David was burning flies through the store, spreading more flames until David finally gets it down and is just beating it. Dan and the others are able to finally extinguish Joe. Mm hmm. As the chaos finally begins to get under control, a bug lands on Mrs. Carmody's chest with its stinger raised. She says, my life for you, your will be done. Very quickly, that's a reference to the stand. Love it. But the creature rises up, looks at her, and then flies away. Now, I know they take this as a sign that she's gifted and she is of God or whatever the fuck. Personally... (laughs) I think she said that and the bug was like, oh, hell no. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to hear all this. And the bug got the it's fuck like, out. What you don't know about us is we don't sting annoying people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Mrs. Carmody rejoices. David is still beating the flaming creature on the ground as Ollie is finally able to take his shot at another one. Billy wrestles away from Hattie and stands in the middle of the aisle yelling for David. And Hattie's just like, Billy, no. Like she doesn't yeah, try to get oh, him. No. Nothing. I was like, use your legs, man. Yeah, Yeah. you're off of uh, babysitting duty, but... (laughs) You should have had the eight-year-old watching (laughs) it. She would have done a better job. (laughs) But the creature that Ollie shot stumbles toward Billy and screams at him. David snatches Billy away in the nick of time, and Ollie shoots the creature again and kills it. They stand in the aftermath of the chaos, and David and Amanda look down at Sally's corpse. Yeah. She's no longer with us. (laughs) (laughs) David tries to confirm that they got all the creatures as they try to barricade the windows and the burning man is just screaming and crying. I mean, he's not burning anymore, but Joe. They had the courtesy to put him out. Yeah, Yeah. they they did put him out. (laughs) 
I did see on the commentary this sequence took a week to film. I Damn. bet it did. It's so intricate. I bet yeah. it's it's chaos. Yeah. And the thing is, for me anyway, is that it all just flows so well with the CG and the practical effects. Yeah. It does. Because when you fucking see him beating the thing on fire, that's just a ball attached to like a an arm <laughs> yeah. that they're just like moving through the aisle. And then when he's beating it really on the ground, it's an actual model of the fucking bird. That's so, so cool. Yeah. It's just like, you know, the skill that goes into it and the fact that they probably weren't paid as well as they could have been. Yeah. Yeah. With what the budget was. It's yeah. just it's remarkable. It really is. And it works like yeah. Oh, yeah. so well. And this the those CG things did look like they were part of their environment. So <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. So you'll forgive the tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But a lady comes up and is like, she was right. She said this is how it would happen. It would happen at night and someone would die. We all could have fucking said that lady. Yeah. Dude, first of all. I was going to say, I I get what she's doing. She's mixing Old Testament with revelations. And I mean, but sure. you can, <laughs> but you can apply that to like almost anything and then be like, look, see it fits. Yeah. Find some way. <laughs> so I was like, come on, cut it out. I mean, I think it. here's the thing. If nobody had died yet and they had not seen one creature, then yeah, yeah that's a pretty prophetic fucking thing she said. <laughs> right. But both things have already happened. Yeah. <laughs> so to say anything out like you're not doing anything. No. no. But Mrs. Carmody is like standing tall and then it fades to black. We get a shot of the outside of the building and we hear a creature sniffing and we see the lower half of Biker's body being dragged away. So they're still hungry. Yeah. The body was pulled away by Nicotero and <laughs> and Frank Darabont. That's so cool. But that night, Amanda lays in the aisle with the sleeping Billy. Billy stirs in his sleep saying that he wants his mom and he wants to go home. And Amanda reassures him that everything will be better in the morning. David remarks that Billy likes her, but he says it like, like when your like pet is friendly to someone. Yeah. Oh, oh, I wow. think he likes yeah. you. <laughs> But Amanda admits that she hates having to lie to him. He asks if she has kids and she says no. She's always wanted to, but things haven't been working out. And now she realizes that maybe that's for the best. Now, this is probably this little semi-intimate interaction right. with them. Uh, in the book, for some reason, they break off to show each other the flesh. And yeah. you know what? <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> she's thinking about her husband and he's thinking about his wife. Right. And... Uh, then they just fucking go back yeah. to the yeah. store. <laughs> and they, they don't, they're not like, that's a regular thing. They don't. No, they, it's just the yeah, thing that happened. happened. But the thing <laughs> that. Okay. You, you've been in here for a day though. Yeah. One day. And <laughs> like, this is the first night. This is yeah. like, like, I'm just like, dude, I'm, that's why I'm so glad they did. You don't get a pass. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Because David's a good dude. And I, I would personally be like, it's been a day, dude. It's been a day. Yeah. Your wife's checking her watch at home. <laughs> fighting <Yeah>. off <laughs> fucking missed monsters. Alone. And you're over here getting it in. <laughs> getting it in. I can't. <laughs> but you said he was thinking about her. Okay. Oh, that doesn't count. I know. No, <laughs> but they talk a little bit until Ollie comes over to get David because Joe has gotten worse. David makes his way through a little makeshift curtain to see Joe and he is badly burned and in horrible pain. The makeup is top notch. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. He asks if they'll just end it for him if he can't be helped, mentioning Ollie's gun. But his brother, Bobby, played by Brandon O'Dell, protests. 
Joe says he's not going to be swayed on this and he'll even do it himself. Well, you got to imagine that hurt. Oh, oh God. Yeah. yeah. Like the pain. Mm-hmm. He was like he on, was on fire. fire. Yeah. yeah. Was... And, and you know the worst part? The embarrassment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody fucking saw me fall. <laughs> and you know when you fall and it's like in slow motion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like David had an action, action hero moment fighting that bird and I fucking lit myself <laughs> on fire. <laughs> we are not the same. Yeah. <laughs> But back to a very serious moment. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny because I couldn't transition no. laughing into that. As I was watching this scene and what comes next, I was like, this is really this is grizzly. Yeah. It's <laughs> a whole lot. It is. I ooh. <laughs> But he sobs begging for the gun, but David convinces him to hold off for just a little bit longer. Back in the aisle, Amanda tries to wake Hattie to watch Billy. Don't leave him with her again. No. But she has to go to the restroom. But when Hattie doesn't respond, when Amanda's trying to wake her up, she gets a candle to investigate her and Hattie is no longer with us. She's laying dead with an empty bottle of pills laying next to her hand. This is like something that happens in the stand as well. Hmm. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) David and Ollie join Dan and Bud at the front of the store to tell them about Joe's situation. If he doesn't get antibiotics soon, he is going to die. Ollie mentions that they have burn cream at the pharmacy next door. Mrs. Repler told him. I guess, Does she stock the pharmacy? She frequents yeah. the pharmacy. <laughs> she robs the pharmacy. <laughs> right. It's behind the counter. <laughs> when a random man with them protests, David takes it a step further. He's not just talking about going to the pharmacy. He's talking about leaving. Amanda interrupts them to tearfully say, it's Hattie. And we cut to the men carrying Hattie away in a blanket. They lay her to rest on a pallet of dog food in the loading dock, which, goddamn, y'all got more dog food back yeah. there? Yeah. You better bring that shit up front. <laughs> Wait, Jesus. But if you had it back there, why didn't you use it for the windows? It? Yeah. yeah. I don't. That's a good question. You think that was her final wishes? John Paul's like, rest me on the, <laughs> on the kibble. Isn't that everyone? <laughs> John Paul's like, take off half a point. Yeah. <laughs> but David immediately starts with his plan of leaving again. When Amanda is shocked, he tells her that they'll bring back medicine from the pharmacy, but then they need to go. He has a four-wheel drive that can seat eight people and they can drive as far as they can to try to get out of the mist. Dan and Amanda are incredulous, but David says that Norton and his group made it 200 feet and he's parked closer than that, which Norton and the group didn't. Biker did. He, it's, a lot of stuff has been happening. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember names or people or events. But Dan checks with Ollie to find that they only have 10 rounds left in the one gun that they have. David says the biggest reason to get out of here is Mrs. Carmody. She's there, Jim Jones, and he wants to get out of here before people start drinking the Kool-Aid. One- <laughs> Kool-Aid's like, it was flavor. I, I, yeah. was it. <laughs> I was just about to say, in quick defense of Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> History has painted them in a very negative yeah. light. <laughs> Kool-Aid it- man's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was flavor-aid. But four people are already listening to her preach. And by this afternoon, there will be four more. And when those things come back tomorrow night, she'll have a congregation looking for a sacrifice, which it's an easy line to draw. Oh, yes. yeah. You can absolutely see that's the next step. It's been a day. Yeah. yeah. This gets Dan on board. Amanda still fights it. She has faith in humanity. People are good and decent. But David puts it in perspective. That's true as long as the machines are working and you can call the police. Once those are gone and people are scared, there are no more rules. I uh, First of all, I completely agree. Yes. Yep. But I think he's wrong because even with the police and 
all that stuff, people are not good. No. I think he's saying like everybody though. Oh, well. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah, there I guess, are some people that are still going to act up, but like maybe. everybody's going to yeah. act up when that's gone. I might just be too cynical for my own good. <laughs> no, people are trash anyway. <laughs> but Dan says that in these situations, people will turn to whoever offers a solution. Amanda goes to Ollie for support, but he's like, nah, sis. He says, put more than two people in a room and we pick sides and start dreaming reasons to kill each other. Why do you think we created politics and religion? Ollie, again, spitting yeah. some motherfucking facts. Did Toby Jones say, I'll do the film, but you better give me all the good lines? Because <laughs> he's fucking I killing I want to be it. the true hero of the film. <laughs> yes. But David says that the pharmacy will be a test run and then they can take it from there. We cut to Billy sobbing as David has, I guess, told him he's going to the pharmacy. He promises to bring back a comic book, but Billy is inconsolable. But he promises him that he will come back. Amanda tells him that if anything goes wrong, cut and run to come back to Billy. I just want to point out this kid's acting his ass off. Yeah, yeah he he is oh, dude. Yeah. the whole movie. This scene in particular. It, we've talked about child actors before. No, yeah. It it made me. I was like, God damn! You yeah. know what I mean? What do you What do you? You don't want to leave. Yeah, hell no! And then him giving her the keys, and he's like, "You go." It's that's, like, ah, you yeah. fucker. That's the other thing is maybe don't plan for your possible death well, in front of the kid. Well, I, that, okay, but you, I get that. Like, but say, you, hey, go play with uh, like, go with who? Go play with that bird corpse. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta talk to him. I gotta talk to your aunt Amanda. <laughs> but yes, next he tells her to. If anything happens to him, take care of Billy as best she can for as long as she can. And then he gives her the keys and yeah. is like, that's your car now. And Billy is right fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so you might die. Well, but what do you, I mean, what do you do? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, definitely. You have to, yeah. yeah, you have to make sure your kid's set up. But on his way out, he's accosted by Mrs. Carmody. David announces to the store that they're going for medicine, but Mrs. Carmody says they'll bring the creatures back with them, and immediately people start to agree. Bobby says that he's going, even if he has to go alone. That's his brother that's yeah. burned. And Mrs. Carmody tells him that he's going to walk outside and be torn to shreds, and David's hubris will have the creatures come back for all of them. I don't know why she specifically has beef yeah. with David. <laughs> he honestly hasn't done anything no. to her. Maybe because he's cool with Amanda. Maybe because that or because he's got his own little group. Yeah. I was oh, that's say, true. Because he's the leader of another little group. I mean, group. clearly yeah. the leader. He's a threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're on this side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she starts preaching, getting people to agree with her until Mrs. Repler, MVP number fucking two, <laughs> throws a can of peas right in the center of her forehead, telling her to shut up. David has to hold Mrs. Carmody back from her. So she's going to fight this old lady. Say, yeah. This lady is fucking cussing people out, mm -hmm. trying to fight people. Yeah. But, you know, she's the Holy Ghost or whatever. Piety. But, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Mrs. Repler says that according to the Bible, stoning people who piss you off is fine. And she still has plenty of peace. <laughs> David asks the military men if they'll help. And Jessup agrees. But the other two say no. Mrs. Repler convinces Jim to join them as well by insulting his intelligence. Well, yeah. She remembered him from, she's like, I know who you are. She yeah. taught him in school. Yeah. She's like, you're dumb as fuck. Get in line. Well, yes, what you, I mean, well, what are you supposed <laughs> to say? You know what I mean? Your old teacher is like, hey. Yes, ma'am. Get up. Do something. He's got some, He's got stuff to atone for, yeah. too. And she fucking shit-talked his sister, yeah. too. <laughs> She's like, I remember you and your sister. He's like, Pauline, yes, ma'am. Yeah. A bunch of underachievers. Yeah. 
It's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll join you. Yes, ma'am. But David, Ollie, Jim, Mrs. Repler, Dan, Bobby, Jessup, and a random man step out into the mist. A random man. He yeah. is a random man. I, I'd be like, if I'm going with the group, I better be well known because yeah. you know what are the, the red shirts? Yeah. You know what's going to happen. But they disappear into the thick, silent mist and they're all armed with very, like uh, Dan was making a fucking spear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, David has, he has an axe. An axe. I'm like, yeah. David has something. You didn't watch this uh, movie, did you? Yeah. <laughs> but we hear distant growling but nothing comes toward them they finally make their way to the pharmacy and enter the open door and this is king's pharmacy yeah immediately once they get inside david snatches a hellboy comic and sticks it in his back pocket telling everyone to get what they need so they can get the hell out of there now i read that Frank Darabont wanted it to be a Punisher comic, mm-hmm. but things had went so badly with Thomas Jane and the producers that he was like, no. That's right. He's, he's not in the second one. No, no. he's not. That's and right. so they did Hellboy because I guess Thomas Jane is friends with Ron Perlman. All right. <laughs> so he that's switched awesome. to that. Yeah. I thought that was cute. I also like that that's the first thing he does. Is, yeah, he promised his son. Yeah. yeah. He is just a good dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll get I, you a comic book. I noticed that right away, too. I was like, oh, it's the first thing he grabbed. It mm-hmm. is. But David and Ollie jump over the pharmacy counter and get the burn medicine for Joe. And Mrs. Repler's like, no, go over there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so maybe she does case the joint. It's like the but- code is 3-2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they start filling shopping bags with pain medicine and antibiotics as the rest of the group roams the store. There's a strange rustling sound and Dan tells them to hurry it up because something's in here. Ollie and David finish and hop over the counter and they stand in silence until Jim finally sees it and begins to call out in protest. The ceiling is covered in people mm-hmm. yeah. like held upside down dead and cocooned within thick I'll call it spider web mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. <laughs> I They would see me disappear because I would run right back to the fucking grocery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gave it the old college try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suddenly something reaches out and grabs Jim's shoulder, causing him to scream. Jim has a rough time the whole time. There in the yeah. Park. Does. <laughs> He's kind of useless. Honestly. A little bit. Uh, fucking Repler was right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the MP from earlier. He's strung up in the web and Jessup and David try to pull him down. But the web is like glue. The MP just keeps saying that he's sorry and that it's all their fault. He opens his shirt to reveal moving bulges on the skin of his chest and stomach. Finally, the bulges on his face crack open and small (sighs) spiders crawl out of the hole in his face. It is. I I thought the bugs. Yeah. Yeah. The bugs earlier made my skin crawl. But this is like. So much worse. Ten yeah. times so worse. Much worse. Oh, yeah. A giant bug lands on the rack next to Jim, and Jim screams again until Ollie shoots <laughs> it. More bugs come out shooting webs at them, but the webs sizzle when they hit the ground. Just not a good sign. No. No. Dude tries to fucking neo it. He does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Bobby is hit on the leg by the web, and the jeans and the skin of his leg just melt off. David hits a bug with his axe. But the bug is like, this is mine now, and just crawls away with the axe still in its back. Yoink. (laughs) But David runs to Bobby and ties a belt around his leg. The MP begins to scream and shake until he falls to the ground. We now see that his back has been ripped open, and as he hits the ground, spiders spill out of him and crawl everywhere. 
I'm going to throw up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will join you. It's, again, the mix of practical and CG. Mm-hmm. This marriage and this scene, this honestly, this is my favorite and least favorite scene in the whole film. <laughs> but it's so fucking scary. It is. And it's just, you put yourself there with them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And thanks to the help of that cinematography, yeah. you feel like you are. You do. And you just want to be back in aisle four. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it started off so well. It yeah. did. Like, they immediately got back there. They got the burn cream. They got antibiotics. Fucking yeah. Like, they were <laughs> killing the game. Too well. Too yeah. well. And this is your trial run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But the random man that came with them, the red shirt, is webbed in the face and falls to the pharmacy floor. They make their way to the exit, but a bug jumps at Mrs. Repler and she lights that bitch up with a can of bug spray and a lighter. Yeah. Incredible. You love to see it. They did have her actually fucking do that. What? Like she, yeah. yeah. She lit that fireball herself. That old lady's a badass, yeah. man. I guess in real life and. She yeah. is. But it was a mop head that she lit on fire mm-hmm. and then they dropped it to the floor and pulled it away. And so, because you see the bug run away, and Darabont said it it was an homage to the thing. Oh, that's perfect. But I I love that a lot. Did you realize that the, I'm just going to talk about the old lady some more for a second, but (laughs) did you realize that she's the wife, the sheriff's wife in misery? She is. She is. She's also uh, Bunny McDougal in Sex in the City, but y'all don't watch that. I don't Um, understand, (laughs) and I will not uh, respond to it. (laughs) (laughs) She also, that... Dolores Claiborne audiobook that I keep preaching about. She's the one that reads it. Oh, and hey. she's fucking Chef's Kiss, dude. She's so good, dude. She is in Stephen King. Yeah, she's she's a badass. But as they leave, we see spiders swarm on the man on the floor, and a bug is just going after that neck meat. They have, yeah. they prefer that cut. Apparently, <laughs> their favorite thing. It is. A creature jumps in their way, but Dan impales it in the head with his sharpened stick and throws it away when Ollie is out of bullets yeah man you get a like bug cam shot like yes. mtv sphere <laughs> <laughs> and it is it's some rough shit yeah. it's like this is what it'd be like to be that thing yeah <laughs> and to be stabbed by dan but bobby dies and they're forced to leave him behind they run from the pharmacy and spiders swarm bobby's body and the creatures go toward the door like and don't come yeah. back <laughs> Hey, they own the pharmacy. That's fine. Right. You you guys can have it. But back at the food house, Bud stands waiting next to the door and Jim slams <laughs> against it, screaming. Yeah. Stereotypical jump scare style. Yes. Yeah. Bud opens the doors and everyone runs inside. David hugs Billy, looking traumatized as fuck, as Jim continues to cry and scream on the floor and it fades to black. Why was he crying? <laughs> he was shook. <laughs> He was it's like every everybody went through that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he was affected the most. But he did the least. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, but he didn't do anything. No. It doesn't matter. He didn't even like fight one of them off like no. for fear of his life. No. He just Listen, screamed. He just City screamed. boy. Yeah. City boy, don't be condescending <laughs> no. to Jim. Okay. You better count your just, teeth. Yeah. <laughs> But later, Mrs. Carmody preaches to a group as David wakes up in another aisle. Amanda tells him that he's been asleep for most of the day. He came in and just fucking checked out. Ollie comes over to tell him that Joe died of his burns while David was asleep. David says that he thought he was dreaming Mrs. Carmody's voice. But Amanda tells him that she's got everybody whipped up. She's convinced people that she's a psychic. Great. Their predictions are very fucking easy. (laughs) Anybody could do that. 
Mrs. Rappler says that she's in on the getting out of your plan, but David shuts it down. After what happened at the pharmacy, he's not going to be responsible for anyone else dying. Ambrose helps him to his feet and he goes over to the congregation. Ambrose, I feel like, is almost like a peripheral character, but he's Mm -hmm. like a big deal. Nobody pays attention to him. No, and I feel like the part's played well. It really is, but I don't know if he's just outshined or what, but he's he's one of the good ones, but... (laughs) Mrs. Carmody has a big group now, and the loudest among them now is Jim. Yeah. <laughs> After He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, what we went through in the pharmacy, I was a big part of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was the hero over there. Yeah, I don't know if they told Weren't you. Weren't you just trying to kick this lady's ass yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> he was. And again, this is day two. Yep. But Dan says that Jim's mind snapped in the pharmacy, obviously. Amanda says that it's only been two days and this is already happening. Ollie volunteers to hide some bags of groceries for them at the front of the store. They make it clear that it's David's plan and vehicle. So it's up to him. But even Amanda is on board now. Right. Rightfully so. Yeah. Well, she's getting them all worked up. Yes. And you, mm-hmm. you know what that's going to lead to. And it's almost everyone now. Yeah. I think that's what's so scary right now is in this moment, it's like, look, if we go out, we might live. If we stay here, we will die. Yeah. yeah. And these are monsters we're talking and about. And oh, humans yeah. inside. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's terrifying. That's the real terror here, folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but David says he wants a better understanding of what the mist even is. And after hearing what the MP said, he's going to go talk to the military guys. Because I know the spider monsters came, but let's not forget. And he's yeah. like, it's all our fault. Now, in all fairness, <laughs> he did. <laughs> I know. up until that shit, it sounded like he was apologizing for scaring Jim. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but then when he started in on that, I was like, oh, well, then maybe yeah. there's more. What's that now? More to it. But they find Jessup sitting alone at the checkout stands, but he doesn't know where the other two guys are. When asked, Jessup says he knows nothing about what's going on with the mist. Dan comes to tell David that they've checked everywhere but the loading dock and the other two privates aren't here. Jim notices the group as they head back to the loading dock. He like does a dramatic like, what? Yeah. Double date. <laughs> In the loading dock, Jessup calls out to them as they're searching and Amanda finds them hanging from the rafters. Jessup is like, they said they would do it, but I didn't believe them. Yeah. Now, when we came to you and we're like, where are your friends at? Where oh. didn't you think, oh, they said they were going to kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, why wouldn't you believe them? Exactly. This like, is that's literally, not a... this crazy bitch over here is like, it's the end of days. Yeah. That's when people start doing very dramatic shit. Yeah. And they've already seen a ton of people die. Yeah. He said straight up that after he told them what the MP said in the fucking pharmacy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is when they said that. At what point is it like, nah, they were just joking. They're yeah. just being dramatic. They're like that. But David's like, this is because of that Arrowhead project, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? He says that this is some kind of military fuck up. And then out of nowhere, Jim grabs Jessup and pulls him back into the store saying, I've got you now. <laughs> what? You weren't after him. Nope. (laughs) Nope. But back in the store, he throws Jessup to the ground, saying it's their fault that all of this is happening. And that's why his friends hung themselves. They knew all along. Jessup pleads to them. He didn't do anything. He's just stationed there. In fact, he's a local and almost everyone here knows him. Mrs. Carmody grabs him by his throat and tells him to quit whining or she'll cut his tongue out. A woman of God. (laughs) Yeah. 
She's kind of just testing the waters. How far can yeah. I? How far are they gonna yeah. let me go with this? Like, can I cut his tongue out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut his tongue yeah. out. Yeah. Nobody said no. Sure. All right. All right. <laughs> Bring him here. Jessup finally admits that all he heard were rumors that they believed there were other dimensions and they were trying to make a window to look and see what was on the other side. He says a hole must have ripped out and that world came spilling through and into ours. It wasn't him. It was the scientists up there on the mountain. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I read that there, there was a, a scene that was supposed to be at the beginning of the movie. And I'm so fucking glad they didn't put it in because it's supposed to be the scientists oh, up God. on the mountain. And one of them is like, are you sure we should be doing this during a thunderstorm? Oh <laughs> during a thunderstorm. And then the mist starts coming through and they're like, it can, it's not going to make it through the glass, right? And <laughs> They're so, like, holy cats. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then when you see the mist, like it's not a mystery if you start yeah, the film like no. that. That is so cheesy and like silly. I'm so glad that they didn't do that. That seems like, okay, I feel like a lot of this, like I said, is a throwback. Yeah. That would have been too much of a throwback. <laughs> yeah. That's some. That's on some Ed Wood shit. <laughs> Are you sure we should be doing this during a thunderstorm? That just... That's the greatest line that ever. That is so funny to me. But Mrs. Carmody calls him a Judas. This is all punishment for going against God's will by basically doing science. Well, that's how a lot of people think. Yeah. Well, yeah. How, how dare we? She says that the creatures of hell have been let loose and it's all Jessup's fault. They grab Jessup and literally start just beating his ass. Yeah. When David tries to help him, Jim punches him in the face, which I feel like that was personal. That but was payback. Yes. I did I did want to say whenever she's going over her list of the ills of the world, yeah. she mentions abortions. Yeah. And this dude in the back screams, abortion. And it's like, <laughs> what? are you in? It sounds like he <laughs> is a big supporter. <laughs> like, I'm like, he's like, woo. Yeah. Like when they say you're hometown. Exactly. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Like it was so weird. But. <laughs> he's just her hype man she also fucking talked shit about walking on the moon yep i said yeah. doing science that's our big flaw the moon it's i mean the moon. it's the moon the yeah. moon belongs to everyone yeah i heard that in the song once <laughs> but jessup is thrown around and hit until he is thrown into the butcher who fucking stabs him in the stomach mm -hmm. this part every time i see it is like sobering almost yeah, yeah. Like I, we've hit an entirely new level here. Just a couple things here. Number one, I thought the first stab was an accident. Yeah, no. And then he keeps going to town. Yeah. The second thing is that on commentary, they said that the crew kind of had to take a breather after this. I bet. Because the pandemonium of the crowd was actually getting to them. I Whoa, bet. Yeah. And because it, even watching it on the screen, it is a bit much. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. But like you said, he keeps stabbing him. And even Mrs. Carmody looks shook yes. until she seizes a moment and she's like, feed him to the beast. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was going to be like, I have wasted Too my life. Far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've made yeah. a terrible mistake. Too scary, Carl. But yeah. instead she. She's like, yeah. okay, yeah. She's just yes anding the whole time. Like <laughs> that was like, like you said earlier, if we stay here, we're going to die. Yep. Yeah. Like now there's no doubt. Yeah. That's fucking terrifying to think. Would that really happen? You know what I mean? It's like, I, you know, what the fuck? Honestly, obviously, I've never been in this situation. Well, no, but... <laughs> but I f it does not seem crazy to like me at days. all. Yeah. Two days. Two days. It took you two days to fucking just turn around and be like, fuck it. 
I have zero faith in humanity. I think it would take one day. <laughs> <laughs> the Wi-Fi goes down. Exactly. I'm right. scared. I see. <laughs> I'm being fed to the beast. <laughs> but so her followers carry him, bleeding and screaming, and throw him out into the mist. The people that have sense stay behind in the aisle after losing the fight. Jessup screams and bangs on the door, but Jim locks it. We see a silhouette of something fucking giant behind him. Jessup places his bloody hand on the door and softly asks, please, before being snatched away. He leaves nothing behind but that bloody handprint. It's like a crab monster. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't want to know, frankly, but. <laughs> like a giant Zoidberg? <laughs> Just not, not as, as nice. friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Not as nice. I did want to point out that this entire little subplot with Jessup, uh-huh. not in the novella. No, no. And it's so interesting. Like, again, like we talk about with Mike Flanagan, whenever he adapts Stephen King, mm-hmm. anytime he adds something, it's for the better. Yeah. Right. I feel like Frank Darabont is the exact same. Yep. He was an appetizer to Mike Flanagan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wet our appetite. He did. And then... <laughs> but Mrs. Carmody is like, the beast will leave us alone tonight. It's like, bitch, you do not know. You that just fed it. Is a guess. Again. Yeah, <laughs> at best. At best. But she says that tomorrow they're just going to have to wait and see. And then it fades to black. I did want to point out as well, like there's a very odd moment before it ends where Billy it just appears on screen and hugs David. <laughs> yeah. He got pushed on like a stage cat. <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time because I'm like, why wasn't he just in the aisle already? There were, there were six Billies and they trained them <laughs> right. each to do a different... <laughs> he was the hugger. <laughs> but later, David wakes up next to Billy, who is awake and just looking at him. David tells him that he will never leave him again. And Billy asks him to make his very best unbreakable promise that he will never let those monsters get him. David promises. Billy tells him that he loves him. And David cries as he tells his son that he loves him too. Watching it this time. And I've seen this about a hundred times. I was like, am I about to start crying? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. There were two parts in this movie where I'm like, it like got me right in the feels. I don't have kids, so no. you're like fuck that kid. Yeah, I don't care what happens. <laughs> I'll feed you to it right now. <laughs> you're next, Billy. <laughs> I I did want to point out from the commentary. I learned that this scene was actually filmed during the daytime, and it was placed right before David woke up from his long nap. And so it was supposed to have taken place right when he got back. And then Frank Darabont realized that that scene might be happening too soon. Mm-hmm. And he moved it to where it is in the film. But he had them mess with the footage to look like it was filmed. Wow. At, at night. night. Oh, all right. And so it, it's so convincing that it's like candlelit. Yeah. But it was just bright as day whenever they really filmed it. I feel like this works so much better here. Yes. Because... Like, they've just seen the worst shit. Right. Not only is he confronted with the scary shit that's out there, he's confronted with the scary shit that's in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what are you supposed to do? I've, and something that happens later. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> this this is perfect right here. Yeah, if it happened then... It's kind of... It would be swallowed up, I think, by yeah. the fucking murdering yeah. of Private Jessup. And when they're talking about the monsters, which monsters... Yeah, yeah, all you've now. seen is the little ones. We yeah. just saw that fucking giant Zoidberg thing out in yeah. the mist. And Carmody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the worst one. But we cut to Amanda quietly waking David to tell him that it's dawn. 
The group assembles and Ollie says he stashed five bags of groceries at the check stand so they can grab them on their way out the door. Again, the man. Yes. We've got David, Billy, Amanda, Ollie, Mrs. Repler, Ambrose, Myron, yeah. Dan, and Bud. Myron's He's like, like no. Yeah. <laughs> that was your friend. My friend yeah. is a lost cause. Yes. <laughs> they quietly head to the checkout stand, but the groceries are gone. That's when they notice Mrs. Carmody sitting with the knife and the bags around her like... Oh, we're stealing food now. <laughs> Going somewhere. Bitch. Well, first off, you don't work here. No. So uh, who's uh, We got food? the manager yeah. with us. Yeah. <laughs> also, how long's that milk been out? Yeah. Yeah, she's be all warm. She doesn't mind. Straight from the bottle, so she can steal. Oh, well, yeah. you know, Earlier uh, when she was like, you know, God says she's eating a fucking candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you pay for that? <laughs> But she refuses to let them leave as it is against God's will. Her followers begin to flock to her, including the butcher, who's still holding his knife, which stay away from that motherfucker. Yeah, we've seen what he can do. She says that she's made it clear that she's God's vessel as she gets up and (laughs) continues to drink her milk. (laughs) David tells her that they haven't interfered with her and they're only asking for the same. Mrs. Carmody goes on a whole rant about how it's their fault the monsters have come because they've mocked their faith. And then the other shoe drops. It's them that the sacrificial blood needs to come from. Expiation. Everything starts to get crazy now as Mrs. Carmody decides that they'll sacrifice Billy, demanding that her followers grab him from Amanda. And then she's like, get the whore too. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm sorry, what? She's testing the waters, I'm telling you. They were fine with the kid. And I don't like this bitch, Mm -mm. so. She slapped me earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But she's literally screaming, kill them all. And a fight ensues until a shot rings out. Mrs. Carmody glass jar of milk shatters. We see that Ollie is holding the smoking gun. Mrs. Carmody falls to her knees and Ollie puts another one right in the center of her forehead. He turns his gun on Jim and the butcher and they drop their knives. Ollie remarks to David that he killed her and David's like, Thank you, Ollie. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Ollie. Yes. Is this them dropping their weapons? Is it just self-preservation or do you think it's them coming to their senses? No, it's self-preservation. Okay. Yeah. I don't think so at all. But all right. I would hope they'd be like, what the fuck yeah. are we doing? He's well, they like, didn't, I just killed a guy. Well, they didn't yeah. look at their hands. No. So I guess. They're just like, no, man, we're cool. We're cool. You got a gun. I got a knife. Yeah. We're, we're cool. I think there's a saying about this. Yeah. <laughs> but a woman is like, you killed her. <laughs> that was her first follower. Yeah. Ugh, so she's our biggest fan. Now she's Carmody. Biggest right. now she's Prune Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> but Ollie tells David that he never would have done that if there'd been any other way. And he's like, that's why I said thank yeah. you. <laughs> they open the doors and run out into the mist. We get one last shot of Mrs. Carmody, arms spread like Jesus on the cross, as a pool of blood spreads around her head. I love it. Yeah. The blood in the milk is an interesting. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's fantastic. Also, the blood around her head and the bullet hole, I heard, were CG. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't notice it. No. Yeah. Out in the mist, Myron immediately falls and twists his ankle. (laughs) Ambrose and Bud stay behind to help him along. The rest of the group searches for David's car. Ollie finds the car and open the doors just like David said to. He turns with a big smile on his face, but the rest of them just stare at him in horror. Mm. Ollie turns to see the biggest creature yet silhouetted in the mist. It snatches Ollie up and it's like Zoidberg claws. Yeah. <laughs> like a crab, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> crab claws. <laughs> That's my point of reference yeah. for shellfish. <laughs> They're all Zoidberg. 
In the mist, a creature takes Myron down from between Ambrose and Bud, and they both take off in different directions. Back to Ollie, the giant creature rips him in half in front of the rest of the group, and the gun falls on the hood of David's car. Satisfied, the creature just fucking walks yeah. away. It's like, see, stuff like this is it's like... You're just fucking with yeah. them. Yeah. But once you're satiated, they kind of just fuck off. Yeah. So it's a little weird. But he didn't even eat him. He just ripped him. Well, Maybe he's like, I'm going to go eat this. He was angry. <laughs> <laughs> what? If I had to be a crab creature, I'd be pretty pissed off too. <laughs> had to be. <laughs> it's his lot in life. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> but the group piles into the car. David honks his horn to try to get the attention of Bud and Ambrose. We see Bud stumbling blindly back to the store and Ambrose is just taken down by a group of web creatures, which really sucks. Yeah. He was awesome. He screams the whole way. He does. It's very sad. <laughs> My Why laughter is not. No. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. It's very sad. <laughs> back in the car, David notices the gun on the hood and opens his door to reach it. Amanda and Billy are like, no. <laughs> dude can be you quiet. not scream be yeah. quiet be quiet be quiet the door is open and all he do- all they are doing is just screaming out yeah. of it. no literally like screaming at the top of their lungs but he strains to reach it and a creature runs toward him clicking on the ground but david snags the gun and gets back inside the creature jumps on the hood and slams against the windshield cracking it it's like god damn it <laughs> yeah it crawls across the car and leaves david starts the car turns on the lights and they're off we're down to David, Billy, Amanda, Dan, and Mrs. Repler. We hear choral music as David drives close to the store, the lights shining on the faces of everyone inside, including Bud now. I'm surprised they opened the door for him. Well, Carmody's not there anymore. I got maybe they did come back to their seats. <laughs> <Yeah. See? laughs> I did want to say a couple things here. Number one, I love the shots of the lights piercing through the mist from the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love their, I guess, victory lap. And yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. You know? They didn't have to do that at all. But I do want to call out this music. It's yeah. from the yeah. band, I think it's called Dead Can Dance. And it was a song that Frank Darabont had found years earlier. And as he was writing The Mist, he had always wanted to use that. So that was always the plan. It works. He's like, oh, we're yeah. going to play this the entire ending of the film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I do want to shout out Jelly, who is our friend and tattoo artist. Yes. At the Surly Skull, she actually played some of this band's music the last time I got tattooed. And this woman's voice is otherworldly. I mean, she sounds like a choir singer or something. Yeah. Like, it's, it's beautiful. It's unbelievable. But it fits so well. Yeah. And it punctuates the, I don't know. It's just so odd. It just because works. It's not yeah. what you would expect no. here. I like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've been so good with music the whole film. Like, there's no bang. Like, when something yeah. happens, like, shit is just happening like it's realistic you know now that you mention it the music is very subdued yeah mm-hmm. you don't even really think about but, it but yeah. until like, this moment yeah i feel like that makes you feel like you're in it more yeah. like it, it feels more realistic because you're like is that a soundtrack yeah <laughs> <laughs> man the score is great <laughs> but we cut to them driving past the mailbox labeled the drayton's the entire yard is covered with webs david shines his light and looks as far as he can until he sees steph cocooned in the webbing with her eyes closed it's so sad it's very sad david tears in his eyes tells amanda that he told steph he was going to fix the window that his grandfather's tree broke he breaks down and sobs and amanda offers her condolences as she cradles billy who thankfully is asleep 
man. So they're going to have to explain this to him later. Yeah. Or, you know what? Maybe not. <laughs> no, because if we're like, hey, we tried to get to the house. We couldn't. Yeah. We'll try later. Yeah. We'll go back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll double back. <laughs> poor poor mom. It, oh, oh no, for sure. That's so sad. Yeah. She didn't do anything, man. Like, And imagine how much you would hate David right now if him and and Andrea, her name's Andrea in The Walking Dead, (laughs) if if him and Amanda had banged. Yeah. Like, you'd be like, you don't fucking care. It's all right. I called dude Dale earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like... Not that she died, but I like that they have that. You yes. know what I mean? And it wasn't they like tried. she didn't just come out of a bushes and be like, oh, hey, I'm yeah. alive. She's got her sleeves cut off. Yeah. She's <laughs> fucking up spiders for two days. Well, in, the, in the book, he talks about, please, please don't punish her for what I did with Amanda. Oh. And then right. as they're about to leave, he has a kind of flash where he's like, uh, they're both going to be in the car together. Like that's going to be something. Yeah. Like, don't tell nobody about this. <laughs> I will tell your husband. <laughs> David pulls himself together and says they'll go as far as the gas can take them. Amanda says that maybe they can get out of the mist. So you know, she's hopeful. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So that music starts up again as they drive through the mist-filled streets, passing a school bus with a dead child inside and overturned police vehicles. With the school bus, uh, I felt like Frank Darabont was like, what's the most fucked up thing I could do? (laughs) Dead kids. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that's very interesting is that this entire sequence of them driving Mm -hmm. was filmed in that half of the studio that was the parking lot, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. They just kept moving shit around. Ah, Yeah. (laughs) So cool. cool. Budget filmmaking. I know. But finally, David stops as an impossibly huge creature crosses the street. The car shakes with every step and everyone in the car is speechless as David drives on. Were the tentacles on that? It was on its body. Yeah, it looked like it. I'm like, how long are these things? Yeah, absolutely not. That thing. It was fucking huge. Yeah. Uh, the Zoidberg monster. It was like 12 of them. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was like a, I mean, if I saw that, I'd be like, is there a cliff we can just fucking. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Kareen off of. Check, please. <laughs> but everyone is speechless as David drives on. He drives until the engine sputters and we see that the fuel tank is on empty. The vehicle finally stops. Dan reasons that no one can say they didn't give it a good shot. And Mrs. Repler agrees. We hear the sound of the creatures growling. I'm sorry, but you just drove around a little. Listen, yeah, <laughs> they went as far as they could. What are they supposed to do? Yeah, but I mean, you need see, to go on a, Okay, yeah. this is a where tour. I feel like I'm going to die alone on this fucking hill. Because I was talking to dad that uh-huh. we were covering this movie and he... It sounds like you're agreeing with some shit that he said, but we'll talk about it more in a minute. I, I think I'm alone, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but David turns to look at everyone in the car, except for Billy, who's still asleep. They seem to have a full conversation without saying a word. David takes out the gun and Dan silently nods. David empties the gun and counts four bullets, but there are five. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. I was like, come on, man. I- <laughs> You don't have yeah, to hold your audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> David says he'll figure something out. They all sit silently for a moment as Amanda quietly sobs. And this is the other part where I was like, I'm about to fucking start <laughs> crying. Like, she just sells it. Like she's yeah. fucking terrified. She's a great actress. She's oh, amazing. Yeah. And then Billy chooses this moment to wake up and look at his father with wide eyes. Good morning, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at the flowers. <laughs> We cut to the outside of the vehicle and we see and hear four gunshots as they light up the windows. We see Amanda slump over and we hear David start to scream. We cut back to the car as David continues to scream and rage. 
We see Dan and Mrs. Repler dead behind him. He tries to shoot himself in the mouth as he continues to scream, but the gun is empty. He steps out into the mist and screams for the creatures to get him. I'm sorry I'm laughing. I was like, oh, no. oh my God. <laughs> Look, here's the deal. His performance is chilling and this moment yes. is haunting. It's awful. Absolutely awful. However, when he turns back to the vehicle, that little twist and shout that he does... <laughs> <laughs> it's I, it's an odd choice performance wise and it's I, I just <laughs> shut up <laughs> I, look he is a great actor and everything around that movement <laughs> the Isley brothers everything Twisted. around <laughs> everything around that is top notch fantastic so stupid. pulls at your heartstrings right at him so we'll yeah we'll leave it at that right? yes but <laughs> When he is like braced up against the car, you can see Amanda dead inside. Yes. So you really see everybody except for Billy, mm-hmm. which kind of is right. good. It's dark enough, man. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to see another dead kid. But finally, a creature cries out and David turns to face his fate. But instead of the creature, military vehicles drive toward him as the mist begins to thin and disappear. The choir music starts again and vehicles of survivors drive by, including the woman with her kids at home and her children. Carol. Yes. Carol. Carol. Yeah. And she looks at him cold as shit as she rides by. Should have walked me out. Should have seen a lady home. Yeah. The thing about that is I heard on the commentary that it was just going to be left ambiguous. What happened to her? Her Mm -hmm. fate. But then Jeffrey DeMunn talked to Frank Darabont Ah. and he was like, man, that woman, what's her name? Melissa McBride? <laughs> <laughs> Bring that bitch yeah. back. Yeah. They said she did amazing. You should think about bringing her back. And he's like, hey, maybe I can stick her in the envoy. Yeah. It makes it so, like, in a, <laughs> the ending's already so fucking bleak and sad. And that mm-hmm. makes it so much worse. Y'all could have n- not gone through any of that. No. Yeah. None of that. Anybody that had the courage to walk yeah. her outside. Oh, my God. But military personnel use flamethrowers on the bug creatures and the webs as helicopters go by. David drops to his knees and begins to scream as two military people stand over him. More tanks and cars drive by and you can tell he's just broken. Yeah. But it fades to black. His shouting and crying and screaming as the choir wails as well. And then the sight of them taking care of business in the back. Yeah. It's just this is one of the most shocking endings I've ever seen on a film. And then the thing is, especially if you go into it having read the book, right? <laughs> because in the book he wrote all this, which is a trope that T really doesn't like. Yeah, no, you because read the whole story and they're like, even as I'm writing this now, yeah. it's like well, because you wrote very descriptively. Been, uh, he bellowed. You could have just said he said it. <laughs> but he writes the whole story of the mist down mm-hmm. and then they stop at a Howard Johnson's and he leaves it on the counter and is like, hopefully somebody will find this. Right. We're going to keep going. Uh, he heard a sound on the radio. All it said was Hartford. That's all he heard. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, that's where we're going. And he says he whispers in his son's ear as he's asleep, the words Hartford and hope and that they're going to go. They're going to try their best. And that's it. Right. You don't yeah. know if they make it or not, but it's a hopeful ending. Yeah. Literally, they say Hartford Hope. <laughs> it's a hopeful ending. So if you're going into it like they fucking they got away from the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his wife's dead. Oh, that sucks. But they're going to make it. You thought. Yeah. <laughs> like it would almost be better if David died, too. Yeah. Because then 100%. he wouldn't right. know. The thing is, is that that's so interesting to me is that 
Darabon said on commentary, he's like, everybody thinks I wrote this ending, but I really didn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? He goes, Stephen King wrote this ending when you think about it. Well, yeah. I said, how? Well, I, nice. <laughs> I was <laughs> at this point, I was having a full conversation with the screen. <laughs> how, Frankie D? <laughs> And he's like, well, I'll tell you. (laughs) Well, listen up, Travis. (laughs) But what he said was, (laughs) in the novel, King had written a passage where he had said kind of what David said in the car, where he's like, I'll find a way kind of a thing about himself. He said, because in the novel, I think there was only three bullets for four people or something like that. Yes. I, I, I think it's Dan that doesn't make it. Right. Yeah. And so he says, you know, if it comes down to that, I'll find a way for myself. Yeah. And that's the ambiguous line that Darabont used as a jumping off point. He's like, oh, that's how it's going to end. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) He's like, well, what's the darkest thing that could happen? Yeah. Yeah. It's this. But this is what dad was like. The ending's fucking stupid. (laughs) He said he said he's coming at it from the standpoint of a father. He said, if this is me, my kid, and some strangers, I'm going to give it a few minutes. <laughs> well, yeah. A few minutes. Literally, because right after, I mean, no joke. Oh, but shit. Honestly, if you think about it, Carmody's right. The Mist ended after he killed. Oh, my God. Amanda and Billy. Mm. I don't like that. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I literally I never looked at it that no, way. I don't think so, because the army guys were coming right behind it. Yeah, now. Now, well, no, it kind of looks like they, yeah. It's like it's a long road. It looks like they were just following it, you know, like what the cleanup crew. Fair, sure. Mrs. Carmody's trash. There's no way she was right. We all agree, right? One thing I did want to point out is that Stephen King loved the ending, Mm -hmm. and he said, I guess he sent an email to Frank Darabont, and he said, every generation needs an ending like Night of the Living Dead, where there is no hope. Yeah, and I think that's great, and it's effective as hell. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the other thing about Night of the Living Dead is that this film, Frank Darabont had planned to shoot it in black and white. Oh, shit. Which would have only fit in with that 50s kind of thing. But um, I think on the Blu-ray, which I don't own, (laughs) 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 there is a black and white version you can watch. And I'd love to do that. Frank didn't give you one when you were talking to him? I was like, but why, Frank? So I have to ask, <laughs> what did you guys think of The Mist? Uh, I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, <laughs> I had I still enjoyed it while watching it for the show. Not saying that I don't enjoy movies, but some, you know, are a little more than the other. You got to pause and take notes and right, look up right. things and whatever. And um, But I still like sitting there watching it. I was like, oh, man. It's so And good. I know what's going to happen, but it's still <laughs> like, oh, shit. Really? <laughs> uh-uh, Mrs. Yeah. Carmody. <laughs> what, um, what do you think about the ending? I, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I wish he would have waited a little longer. <laughs> At least, come on. Okay, but in my mind, you don't know how long they've been driving. They went through a sign that said something about Portland. Right. So, I mean, they've been going and going and going, and now they're out of gas, and you hear these creatures, okay, and you got Zoidberg but- fucking out here, and... <laughs> I, that's why I feel like that scene was so well placed where his son is like, promise me, promise me you won't let them get me. I get that. But here's the thing, though. You've been driving for how long now? Days. Okay. And just kidding. <laughs> we don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but regardless, though, you drove until you had no more gas. Yeah. Okay. So you haven't been attacked yet. Right. 
Now yeah. you ran out of gas. You still haven't seen anything yet. I mean, you saw that. Yeah, but we just ran out of gas. Okay. That's the point. No, yeah. So we're chilling, right? I There's think there's no danger yet. They should have slept or something. Or just hung out for yeah. a little bit. Let's give it a second before we do anything too rash. Listen, <laughs> we say this knowing that the fucking flamethrowers are two minutes well, away. Well, no, I, I would hope, please, love <laughs> of my life, <laughs> if something <laughs> happens, yeah. wait a little bit. I'll wait as long as I right? can. But it's like, and give me the courtesy of blowing my brains out in my sleep. <laughs> Let me go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, please just just wait a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he could have waited until Billy fell back asleep. That's a fair point. Oh, yeah. Like I said, there or was when no- the car started shaking again. Yeah, pop, there, pop, was, pop, pop. there yeah. was nothing around. Nope. It's a hard decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, please don't kill me in the kids <laughs> right away. <laughs> Wi-Fi's out. Fuck it, we're dying. Like, no. I got three bullets. Yeah. <laughs> Sidebar, I'm looking now and it looks like that Carmody thing is a fan theory. Really? I've never heard that before. A lot of people are saying it. I like having thoughts that are mine and then I hate (laughs) looking up those thoughts and realizing everybody's fucking (laughs) at them. It's like, I'm not special at all. But you arrived at it independently. Independently. There you go. (laughs) But anyway, I completely agree with JP. I, I love this movie. There is something so... It's hard to explain. There's something old fashioned about it. Yeah. It just feels like it was a movie that was made with a lot of care and attention to detail. Yeah. One thing I did read is that the bullets, they use 12 bullets in the film. Wow. Oh. I, it's funny because I always say after I watch it, next time I'm going to count. Yeah. But then I get so into the movie yeah. that I don't think about it. <laughs> I think, like I said at the beginning, it's a shame that a lot of the awesome moments in the film kind of get overshadowed in discussions because of the ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the ending is so impactful, it's kind of hard not yes, to. Yes, yeah. it is. But no, I think this is great. There there are a few things that, eh, little, you know, nitpicks here and there, especially with uh, some of the CG that doesn't seem of the scene. Right. But I mean, it's also understandable that they were working with what they were working with. Yeah. And so you can't be too harsh on that. But the characters, the story, the acting... I, I love this movie. This little Frank Darabont crew that yeah. they have here is mm-hmm. wow. Wow. It's and that's one of my favorite things is when I see a director find their people yeah. and keep fucking using them. Yeah. We oh just, yeah. We were just talking about that and uh, Mike Flanagan. Yeah. We keep bringing up Mike Flanagan. I love Mike Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> is that your answer to what do you think that's of the mess? That's all I got. On Twitter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what'd you think of the mess? I, I love, love Mike, Mike Flanagan. Flanagan. Uh, I was talking to Anthony Jerome M on Twitter the other day, and I, of course, mentioned Mike Flanagan, and he was like, "Yes, and I know his name solely because." Of- <laughs> <laughs> well, he's screaming from the rooftops. I enough. love Mike Flanagan. He is the best. He is. But back to this film that Mike Flanagan did not direct or write. Um, he watched it probably. He probably watched it. <laughs> but Frank Darabont does that same thing that I love so much in Flanagan's work. Obviously, this came before, but. You can tell he loved the source material. Mm-hmm. He's invested in this weird fucking universe that Stephen King has made. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I just appreciate it so much. And the casting is crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I I would not, I don't know that I would have cast Marsha Gay Harden as Mrs. Carmody because she's like this this big overweight lady and like a bright, like, yellow or lime green mm-hmm. suit or something she's paddington bear, <laughs> she's paddington bear. no but if you she go from the description fucking, she fucking kills it though yeah 
the she does not match the description no. in the novella, but she's perfect. I also read that Andre Brower had to convince her to take the role because she was oh, afraid man. of doing a horror movie. Uh, she what? said she didn't know if she could do it, and he's like, oh. "Take it." And he's so good. Everybody's just so good in this. Ollie, every <laughs> everything I see him in now, he was in um what one of the Captain America movies. Oh yeah, and we were right. watching it, and I was like, "It's Ollie. Yeah. He's just <laughs> Ollie to me." This, for me. I remember even as like whatever I was 16 I was like that's a star making performance right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that kid that, that kid's going, going places. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this movie. I feel like I would have loved it with the ambiguous ending that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But I'm a sucker for those movies that just fucking punch you in the gut. And this does. Right. And Darabond's guts sticking to his guns. Yes. Oh, yeah. He was so right. To fight for it. And I mean, it bums me out that people, because I wonder if he ever doubted himself, you know, people being like, no, that ending's just not yeah. going to work. I'm so glad he's stuck with it. But I guess we'll move along to ratings. And I don't often know what I'm going to rate a movie as soon as I finish watching it. But today I did. Oh. <laughs> um, I love this movie. Anything that, and we talked about this in 28 Days Later, anything that really highlights like, yeah, there's some really scary supernatural. That's why I loved The Walking Dead at first. Mm-hmm. There's some scary supernatural shit happening. But what is scarier is us. Yeah. When we're taken out of that comfort zone, just mm-hmm. like David says, when you take away the electricity, when you can't call for help, like it breaks us down to some fucking like animal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. it's very scary because this rings very true. You could see it happening. Absolutely. But. I'm not going to ramble anymore (laughs) Um, on a scale from one to 10 expiations. (laughs) I'm going to give the mist nine out of 10 expiations. I really love this movie. There's some nitpicky stuff here, but it's just, it's fantastic. I don't get sick of it. I mean, how old is this movie? And I've been watching it consistently since it came out. Yeah. I love it. I feel like it's not in the conversation enough. Like people talk about Stephen King adaptations and this one's not really at the table very much. Right. You know, that's weird. You know, it's 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 a shame. I think maybe oh, the yeah. ending made people too yeah. sad. Right. <laughs> I'm never talking about that again. <laughs> but I will open up the floor. Well, I know we've said a lot of good things about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you had your own rating system. <laughs> right. So I'm going to continue to say good things. <laughs> because I really like the movie. Right. Um, I do understand what you're saying when you're like, when you're like, I don't understand why this movie, is, nobody talks about it that much or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't understand that. You know what I mean? I agree with you. It's weird how this movie is good. The acting is great. The, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the CGI is kind of dated, but I mean, <laughs> if the movie's good enough to where you don't, that doesn't bother you. It didn't me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, oh man, this is, you know, the you can, fucking tentacles. Yeah, <laughs> you could tell. Yeah, it's like, mm, but you know what I mean? You, the story gets you past it. Right. Everything you're there, it's like, oh man, what's going to happen next? And like I said, uh, you've seen the movie a lot, but you still want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. want to watch it again. And it's like, man, this shit's good. What are you going to do again? I know it's going <laughs> to happen, but I'm, yeah, <laughs> I still want to watch seen it. Seen this a million times. Yeah. Um, I will say the ending, not my favorite uh-huh. um, <laughs> but it's clearly again coming from a father point of view 
And it was like, that was another half a point I had to ah. take off. Oh, wow. Wait. Yeah. Wait, dude. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've led this small group of people mm-hmm. for this long. And yeah, okay, I get it. You gave it a chance. You really haven't, like you said, you know, you just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> we d- yeah. just ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, we just stopped. <laughs> There's, you didn't even give time before you started looking at everybody like, hmm. All right. Bob, you go first. And yeah. they're like, yeah. yes. So we do in the yeah. shadow. And then everybody's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, dude, wait a minute. Yeah. So if they would have added a little interlude where they're stopped and maybe a creature's coming toward them, or I could, like what would it what I, would it do for you for it, that to be acceptable? Well, I mean, I could understand look, if there's no way we're surviving, we can't fight this thing off or whatever, we're gonna die. There we go. You guys go. Then I'm going to throw myself at this dude. Just take me. Yeah. Eat me. You know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Stomp me. Whatever you're going to do. Stomp me. <laughs> well, you see how big the things were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just step on me. Whatever. You but- know, all you, all you would have to do for me, and I, I like this ending a lot. I do too. But I think all you would have to do for me is just make the car rumble a little. Yeah. Even that. Just a little. Because okay. that gives you that. It's well, coming. There, it's yeah. Close. There's no point. And yeah. if the road is full of tanks, it probably would rumble. Right. Oh, so that could be the thing that he thinks it's the monsters. It's the right. fucking army coming to save him. And then it's even more of that. Oh, my God. Yeah. What have I even done? worse. Even but worse. But there, there was nothing. He was just ah, screaming. And then they came out of nowhere. And <laughs> Twist like, and shout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that that's it. The moon, like I said, it, like you said, nitpicky, whatever. Right. But... It did. Just mm-hmm. it, like you said, maybe a rumble or something. Damn it. Now that you said or, that, I can't get it out of my head. So, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? You didn't even, you, oh, and yeah, he, you didn't wait. You did it and then you went outside and you know what I mean? Freaked out. And then. <laughs> Why'd you do like a robot dance? Well, you know, <laughs> that was his interpretation. Well, yeah. You know, he's, he freaks out and then, then the army comes. Yeah. So why didn't you even just, like you said, wait, wait until that. It's like, come on, man. What are you doing? That's your son. Mm -hmm. You're right. But in his mind, he's protecting him. No, I get that. You know what I mean? And I trust me, I understand. And and even the kids, because the kids were watching it with me, they were like, well, "What? How? Why did he do that?" <laughs> so I so I t- explained. I said, "Look, there's a monster." I said, "Would you rather this monster wake you up and you feel every pain from this thing eating your arms off for you, tearing you in half?" I said, "Or you just be asleep and never wake up?" Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, I, I get it. Yeah, but Billy wasn't asleep. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. no, but I mean, he was kind of groggy. So I'm sure he, <laughs> he was like, is he pointing a like, fucking gun? Is this sleep paralysis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on the scale from one to ten, expiation. Expiation. <laughs> expiation. Um, I'm going to give The Mist nine. What? <laughs> I love the movie. Yeah. And like I said, I know it's nitpicky things. That's why it was only half a point. <laughs> but dude did fall all, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was kind of like, stop that. That was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Like, it looks like. That's a, that's a serious ass like moment. Buster Keaton or something. Yeah. Like, that was. Silent film yeah, shit. Yeah. That was very funny. I feel like I've already lauded this film with enough praise. I'd want to shout out the creature design one more time. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's something we haven't brought up at this little in segment. But I do feel like, especially after not just watching the film with commentary, mm-hmm. but chatting about it a little bit more, there are things that I didn't really think I enjoyed that I've kind of come around on. Because mm-hmm. the f- 
before I rewatched it for the show, I had always kind of not been a fan of the cinematography. Really? Yeah. Like I thought that, especially when you think of Frank Darabont and you see this like almost guerrilla filmmaking style situation, you're like, I don't know. But (laughs) after hearing about what he was going for and feeling, because I watched it twice for this. Right. Feeling the second time that you're actually in the store with them. Yeah. I've come around on that. So gorillas were filming it? Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) You mean a gorilla film this? (laughs) But, um... So one of the negatives I had actually turned into a positive for me. Right. But I feel like there's some bits of dialogue that are a little too on the nose for me. (laughs) And I think that there are some bits of CGI that I just can't forgive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As as good as a lot of it is, because there's a lot of stuff that's CGI that you wouldn't even expect to be. Right. No. They did a lot of great work here. But I do think that I'm going to have to join the party (gasps) And give this a hat trick. I was going to give it an 8.5, but yeah. the more I think about the cinematography, the more I actually enjoy it. Yeah. And so I'm going to, enjo- I'm going to enjoy you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to join you in giving The Mist nine expiations. Expiations. Expiations <laughs> out of 10. Ding, 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 ding. Right. Expiations. We've done it. Expiations. Right. We did. You know, we had to do it again. <laughs> it's just, it. I feel like this movie is so good and Mm. so underappreciated and i kind of understand to a point like we were talking to claire sutton over on the patreon Mm -hmm. and she was like i can only watch it once oh yeah so it's so fucking bleak and depressing and it's like i i get it like i it's a lot Mm -hmm. but if you haven't seen it in a while, give it another, I'd say give it another shot. Or if you haven't seen it at all, even though we just ruined it, (laughs) give it a shot. Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate The Mist and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at The Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, never give up hope. Even when things seem their darkest, salvation may be just around the corner. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for our special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Thank Woo! You. Woo! Expiation! Expiations. Yeah. A very awesome word for yeah. a <laughs> terrible thing. <laughs> a very special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Huesden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent and Allison O'Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pepperoni Pierre, Jacob Tyler, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, and Applin Ontiveros. Thank each and every one of you so, so much. Thank you all. Thank you. (laughs) And I got to say, it's been a week since the last time we released an episode, and uh, I hope you missed us. (laughs) You know? The film that we just talked about. Homophone. (laughs) (laughs) Expiation. Expiations. Until next time. (laughs)